If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. It's 2016. It's a new year. And it's a new podcast that's completely unnecessary. Alongside Ian Ferguson. Howdy. I'm Pat Contry. We've got an action-packed podcast for you all. Talking about... Uh, Activision. You got the giggles pretty severely. The giggles. <laughs> We're talking about Activision buying Major League Gaming. Rise of the Tomb Raider hitting PC. Counter-Strike bans being permanent on the pro level. Lots of other cool stuff. Uh, Shenmue 3 devs and PayPal backers getting screwed, getting the shaft. Oculus Rift's going to be 600 bucks. Oh, no. Uh, CM Punk and UFC 2. Uh, <laughs> uh, most porn watched on PlayStation out of all the consoles. That's interesting. Lots of other cool stuff going on. A Tetris film. Your Q&A. Lots of Q&A this time out. Ian, what's going on? Not a whole lot. I, uh... After the last podcast, I was I was sick. I spent about a month with what felt like an upper respiratory infection. Uh, I won't know for sure because I don't have insurance. Didn't go to the doctor. Started to feel a little bit better, but uh, you, I, you didn't use you didn't use that Obamacare card. No, I had about eleven. I, I had the flu for about eleven days. I went from with my holiday pounds. Uh, I jumped up a little bit. I dropped literally, according to the scale, fifteen pounds. When I had the flu, that's a lot. I was like, you weren't eating or just throwing up everything, or yeah, yeah, basically. And uh, I finally felt, I finally started to feel good on Sunday or Monday. And um, one of the first things I ate when I got my appetite back was there's that little little Cuban bakery, Azucar, on Newport. And I went across the street and I got one of those little meat pies. And I took a bite of it, and it was just like fireworks in my mouth. It was the greatest goddamn thing I had ever had. So, um, meat pie doesn't sign appetizer. I'm sure it was great though. It's a little stuffed pastry full of, full of meat and seasonings. But, uh, yeah, I gained like two pounds, uh, within like a couple of days of being healthy again. Cause I was just eating and enjoying it. And now I'm back at the gym and I'm very, very sore. Very, very sore. It's been gone like I three did, weeks, right? I did, yeah. To take, I was taking three, like three weeks off. Your trainers were like, what's going on? My trainer got promoted. Your gains. What's happening to your gains? Uh, I lost basically all my muscle mass. <laughs> <laughs> your, your, tra- your trainer got promoted? My trainer got promoted, so I get a new trainer on Sunday. Oh, okay. I'm not really excited about that because I really liked my trainer, and uh, I don't like change. You don't so like change? I don't like change, so we'll see how it goes. My gains have been okay. I've been hitting it harder. Than Stop gym. saying gains. Stop it. I actually helped my ex move stuff into her, her new place on Sunday. And now it's supposed to be my day off in the gym. It said I was lugging lugging stuff for three hours. And so, like, that killed me. Like, that threw off my whole week. Because that was more strenuous than a usual workout, all the stuff I was lifting. So I took off uh, yesterday. And I really needed it. Because I'm just like, ugh. Just like, ugh. But, hey, it's, it's all about the gains. Uh, speaking of gains, uh, finishing up the actual, like, meticulous putting together of the book. This is me pretending I'm working in Adobe InDesign. So uh, the supplemental material is in there. I'm waiting on one other person that I'm not going to publicly shame yet until he runs out of his final deadline and get me his material. Other than that, though, the book's put together. It's got to do the index. 
and then tinker around with the cover and do a do a back cover. Uh, back cover is usually fun when you look at books. It's like selling the book, the marketing on it. May I'll have a little more fun with it. Uh, so looking at digital version early February. I don't want to push it to end of January. Speaking of end of January, I will be at the the SoCal uh, Retro uh, Gaming Expo in City of Industry. That's part of LA. It's like sort of like Eastern LA, I guess, it's like the industrial section. And I'll be there selling. If you if you ever wonder how much extra crap I have the past six years I'm living here, I'm getting rid of a lot of it there. You ever, if you want a Sama de Amigo maracas in the box, and, and I have two of them, so one's being sold. I have three TurboGrafx-16 systems in the box. I'm going to sell two of those three systems <laughs> at this convention. Everything must go, so I'm going to I'm going to give good deals. Uh, not fire sell necessarily, but you know I'm, I'm going to get rid of a chunk of it. You know, load up the car and or Frank's van if he lets me, if he lets me use it. Um. And if you want to order the book still, it'll be on my website uh, for pre-order again soon. Otherwise, you can email me and I'll give you information on how to do that. So, anything else going on? Well, we do have a message from our sponsor. We do have a message from our sponsor. That's right. And now a message from our sponsor, Embraceware. Hey guys, Jerry here from Embraceware. We're inviting anyone interested in providing us with feedback on upcoming games we're working on to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're at slash Embraceware on each of those websites. So for instance, twitter.com slash Embraceware. We post screenshots of games and apps that are in development, we welcome beta testers, and we often give away redeem codes. We look forward to hearing from you. Thanks, Jerry. Jerry! Um, one other thing, there's a new ass Frank out today, volume 20. Speaking of Frank, he gave me permission, Frank's now a granddaddy. So yeah, that's, I think that's awesome. He's got a baby boy, and, uh, so this is the first time I'm going to use technology in his favor, and he's going to allow me, we're going to try to either Skype to see the baby, uh, this weekend, or FaceTime on the phone, whichever is going to work. I think that's going to push Frank over the edge to finally get a smartphone. Yeah. I was always say, Frank, you, Frank's te- texts, I think, more than me when I first moved here. I didn't really start getting texting until the last few years. What? <laughs> oh, jeez. That's a rare sneeze in the podcast. I don't know if I've ever sneezed before in the podcast. I'm allergic to happiness and joy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> sad, but true. No, um, so um, Frank's texting more than me always, but I think if he sees his grandson, he'll be able to be like, wow, I'm going to get a smartphone. And then go with it. I think that'll push him over the edge if he can always see his. No, I'm I'm fairly certain that that's going to do it. Yeah, but then he then again he'll probably like he'll be probably Facetime me at like 11:30 at night because he because a French noir movie came on. He wants to show me like start pointing towards the screen. I'm like Frank, we gotta be careful with that. So we're gonna start off with a pretty big topic uh, in terms of esports, competitive gaming, uh, major league gaming, which is one of the you know the bigger sort of. Uh, uh, companies out there does this sort of thing uh they've been around since what 2002 yeah long time long time uh they do call of duty stuff hearthstone um starcraft tournaments at all they were sold to activision for a pretty sizable amount of money 46 uh million dollars um it's obviously esports is growing um it's getting bigger it's we talk about how it's on ESPN too, like, and people are not only watching it, but the fact that it's on the cable network is big. That it's right. at least that ESPN is interested. And it wasn't clear at first, and now it's coming a little more clear what maybe Activision Blizzard 
same company, wants to do with this. And it seems like they bought this really for the value of it as a streaming channel. Right. And the infrastructure in place already. Maybe not necessarily uh, for the for the tournaments that, that are already under operation, but they see the value in having this uh, station available, at least online, that they want to put money into and develop as basically want to create their own version of ESPN, but for esports. Having like a one-stop network, even online, to do that. And it makes sense. Well, it makes sense. Uh, it definitely makes sense because a lot of the games that uh, were very, very popular uh, on MLG, especially in recent years, Hearthstone, um, uh, StarCraft, Call of Duty, those sorts of things, those are already all under the Activision banner. Um and it, it well or or Blizzard the Activision Blizzard banner, um, so not only do they get the 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 the, the already in place streaming infrastructure, um, they're already in control of the games that are m- m- very commonly played on MLG before MLG was even sold to them, which could be good or bad. We can talk about conflict of interest. It's you know, there. It's going to be there. That was my first biggest concern. Was all right. Activision bought this. Are they going to come up with their own games just and then use use their network or channel as a promotional tool for new games coming out? That's really douchey. You, yeah, you have a game company owning a competitive gaming yeah. league. Yes, that, there is definitely, I think, going to be some some advertising here through yeah. competitions of of you know involving new games that they're that they're ready to throw out in the public. Um, for instance, Overwatch is about to come out, which is a a uh, Activision Blizzard game. It's kind of like their version of Team Fortress, and I guarantee you we're going to be inundated with that um, yeah. through this. That's that's they got to play it safe. That'd be like if ESPN bought the Portland Trailblazers, and all of a sudden you have like. Oh, here's a special on the Trailblazers. You know what they've been doing in the off season. This is like well, you would never be covering the Trailblazers otherwise. Trailblazers live and uncut, the reality yeah. show. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like you got to be really. I'm not saying they're going to do that. I think they're going to be smart about it. I would but, hope. But the potential is and obviously. They, do they really need to be pushing the games that are huge already, like Call of Duty and Starcraft and like Hearthstone? I mean, like I have no, I have no problem with that because they were already pushed. Um, but I mean, they wouldn't have to push it additionally with sure. their own version of ESPN. You know, their own, their own gaming network channel. Then again, I'm not sure Activision is to be trusted. Or, or, be trusted. I, just, I also don't know that we can call them smart all the time like the either. Empire now? <laughs> so, they're going too powerful? We'll so, have to see. The chief executive of Activision Blizzard, Robert A. Kotick, Kotick, uh, Bobby Kotick. Said Uncle Bobby is what they call him at work. I know friends who work at Activision. Oh, yeah? They call him Uncle Bobby. He likes his coffee black. Uh, said he saw an opportunity to build a bigger mainstream audience for esports through more professionally produced events modeled on traditional athletic competitions and the broadcasts that brings them into home. This is where you have to be very, very careful. We talked about this before and why how no one watches uh, these competitive esports on TV because the audiences don't watch them there. They watch them online. And, and, a, and a large growing contingency likes to watch them live as well. I... I, I... I have people who come into work all the time who talk about how they went to a, a competitive gaming event and how excited they were. And for me, it doesn't appeal. But basically, TV is the last place where people are going yeah. to be doing this. Uh, um, Activision intends to bring the, bring to them. This is from a New York Times article. Activision intends to bring them to viewers through a traditional television channel distributed by cable and satellite providers. So they're going to have an online channel, I think, which will probably be a, some sort of subscription. The way in the future, in the future. Five, ten years now, so you started having now that you can just buy 
the rights to watch HBO, HBO Go, Showtime, and you have the content on your computer. I can picture them doing that. They're bringing in people that used to work uh, for, I believe, ESPN, an NFL network, uh, Steve Bornstein, who used to be a chief executive there. So they're going to model this on a sports network. The problem is, though, is that the reason why people still, by and large, like to watch sports on TV is that's where sports was originally viewed. And that's where you need like a big TV to watch Super Bowl, all these players running around, you have the crowd. It's more cinematic, uh, major sports events to me. It, it seems like that's where it, it if you go to if you go to someone, would you rather watch a sports event on your computer or your TV? Ninety nine percent will say I want to watch it on TV. That's a silly question. You're talking about a video game or competition. If you ask the same question, there's no reason to watch it on a big TV. Well, there's no, you know, here's the weird thing because I've always thought that way, but I'm I'm literally sitting here and my mind is turning and, and kind of changing. Um, I think that because the people who watch this are used to computers, computer gaming, things like that, it's natural for them to watch it on their computer. But things like StarCraft have a shitload going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with, with things like, um, you know, Dota or whatever, whatever these those those games are. Uh, I think if you made a channel just for major... I, I'm not saying it would take off, but I do think there would be a group of people who would want to watch it on a big screen because you're going to see everything a lot clearer. This I'm not is, sure. This is why people like it live, because there's big screens to watch this shit on. I'm not entirely sure, just because nowadays a lot of people have, like, their 24-inch monitors, 20-inch monitors. Okay. You have two monitors set up. You can look at your email... And, and and talk to someone on Skype while you're watching the competition over here. When you're watching a sports event on a TV, yeah, you can have a computer and TV, but usually your 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 attention is glued to just the TV. It's usually if you're really watching something, it's hard to go back and forth to the same extent. I just think the audience isn't there. I think trying to bring over traditional TV audiences is the wrong idea. Well, no, I, and I, I do agree with you there. Like I said, I don't know how big of a market there would be because. You'd have to convince this generation that was brought up on 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 watching things like YouTube, not just major league gaming, but YouTube, uh, pirated TV shows, things like that on their computer. You'd have to convince them to put the computer down and yes. sit in front of a TV. We're, I'm just saying that there are benefits to watching it on a TV. Yes, there would be, but, but I think then you lose something that watching it on a computer, and that's okay. I fair. think people are too used to that. We're talking about an audience that's like. 25 and under 20 and under, that's going to be the bulk You'd of it. you probably lose the chat that's associated yes. with watching it. So now you're, you're in the age now where our generation is unplugging. A lot of people don't have cable anymore. Do you have cable? Uh, I won't for much longer. We only got it for a limited time because it made our internet cheaper. Honestly, I, I use it mostly for uh, ESPN, live sports, and forensic files reruns to fall asleep to. So if I didn't have that, I mean, I would need to watch it. And I, like, think, I think we've discussed this because I use it solely to DVR Tom and Jerry. The day we got it, I found Tom and Jerry. I hit record all episodes, and when I'm bored, I'll no, watch Tom and Jerry. That's but, it. But I like, I like shows like Suits sure. on USA. But you know what? With Hulu, you can just get Hulu and watch them. It's finally ad-free now. We're, we're getting off topic. We're getting off topic. So I think this is an interesting idea. Watch out for... Activision trying to do too much too soon in terms of making it a cable TV channel. I think they should stick to online and it'll be a lot safer and plus it'll be a lot cheaper and plus they don't jump through the hurdles of getting cable companies to sign up for, to carry them and watch out for them maybe trying to overly promote their own games or new games coming out that that's going to be maybe not for a year or two but down the line once this gets going you're going to have to be hmm are they really doing this properly? <laughs> so here's a Here's a 
dumb thing that's that's happening. <laughs> Here's a kick in the pants. Um, so Final Fantasy 13, the Final Fantasy that everyone kind of loves to hate. Uh, you know, arguably sort of main character kind of uh, lightning is going to be used in a series of ads for Louis Vuitton uh, for their, I believe it's called their Series 4 uh, line of products that are coming out. Uh, there will be magazine ads and and, and such. Um, it's interesting to me because, you know, I, I find it to be very weird. Uh, 13 was not popular, or was not very popular here. Um and kind of the first Final Fantasy XIII was more of an ensemble cast. There wasn't necessarily a main character. Um, long story short, to us this is weird. In Japan, for whatever reason, Lightning, who has, in my opinion, no fucking personality whatsoever and was one of the most boring leads, um, is very popular. And the story goes that uh, it wasn't Square that looked to uh, partner with Louis Vuitton to get this ad campaign done. It was one of the lead designers at Louis Vuitton who actually went to Japan or went to Square Enix and was like, can I use Lightning as a model for this this line? Um, it's interesting to note. I mean, uh, I'm I got the pictures now. I know this. Yeah, I mean, they Hold look the bag like this. They look right, and she has no fucking expression. I know. But then again, most well, models, models don't. don't. Boom. Um, France and Japan have 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 like this admiration of each other's cultures that almost rivals uh, the 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 U.S. and Japan, and uh, so there, it, it makes sense for that angle. Either way. Um, it's just weird, and it's really weird to me because it just it, it to me this is kind of this What's is kind of just this weird point where Square Enix is I don't know not necessarily jumping the shark, but they're they're definitely turning a corner here. Uh, I mean, of weirdness, of weirdness, yeah. Where where it's not just holding the bag like this, holding the bag. Yeah, they're gonna buy, they're gonna you should do a Louis Vuitton campaign, uh, Louis Vuitton campaign. Um, <laughs> Either way, it's strange. It's it, it's weird to see, you know, what just 10, 15 years ago was a, a very respected video game company releasing some very high-profile RPGs, some of their best work on the Sony PlayStation, um, now has their main characters uh, modeling uh, because, well, fuck, the main, the, that, that character couldn't fucking sell games. I, I just think it's, well, it's, it's just hysterical. Obviously, in the U.S., well, most of the women going to buy Louis Vuitton, they, this won't affect them at all. Uh, in Japan, there's a much, at least to me, I, I know my head, a bigger history of using uh, characters in, in pop culture that are animated or um, video games to sell. Right, but in Japan. Characters. Yes. So for it to I be know. for in France. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. It's really weird. Yeah. It's really weird. Uh, I'm just thinking of like using Google 13 to sell coffee in Japan or condoms which happens <laughs> but in here you would never see a cartoon character being sold being used to sell adult products it's extremely rare I'm having trouble thinking of it in my head I'm sure there's examples off the top of my head I Simpsons will, will sell butterfingers but they're not going to be selling cars uh, right you know I mean like they're not gonna yeah. be, it's, it's a different culture it's just, it's just so goofy that I, I don't know what to say but it is funny that to, to see a video game character Holding real merchandise in, in video game poses. This is my favorite one. <laughs> like that. Are you happy? Are you sad? Do you even care about the fucking bag? She doesn't need to lose any weight, I guess. You can keep her weight where they where they want her. Just so. adjust the slider. 
Okay, so this is not something I would normally talk about, except for the fact that this is the first time that we're seeing the effect of these timed exclusivities between console, you know, games being on one console for a limited amount of time before going elsewhere. So Rise of the Tomb Raider. The, why is it the Rise of the Tomb Raider? I don't know. But it's coming out on PC this month. And it came out on, what, Xbox One and 360 only in November. So whenever we talk about exclusives, and something you brought up before is that we always forget about the PC. Right. It's never included in the conversation. People are saying, oh, it's coming to PlayStation first, or or, or only PlayStation, like Street Fighter Five. Five. It's also coming to PC. People yeah. forget about that. It's not like you're assed out entirely if you don't have a PlayStation. You can play it on your PC, and the experience will be just the same. Great graphics. Well, hopefully. Well, yeah, if your computer's a decent, decent rig. Or you're not Warner Brothers releasing fucking shit like Mortal Kombat 10 or, you know, Batman Arkham Knight. Yes, that aside, if it's a decent port of the arcade or not even this, if it's released around the same time, you're going to get a good experience still. Control, the controller issue, this isn't 1991. You can have great controllers on your PC. They're just as good, if not better, than a console controller. That's fine. So I guess this is really going to be the test whether or not this timeline exclusivity is actually works or is just bullshit. Well, I think it's just bullshit. And here's the thing. When, when Rise of the Tomb Raider was initially announced, before someone in the fucking comments uh, flays me for this, when it was initially announced... Now it was in August 2014. To my best... 2014? Yep. Gamescom in August 2014 okay. it was announced. Anyways, it was an Xbox One exclusive. That's what they said. Then they, you know, announced PC. See, this is the thing. The exclusivity of a game is not, it's not really, that term doesn't mean anything. What it is, is it's, 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 it's marketing to attack another console, Mm -hmm. is what it is. By the way, it's going to come to PlayStation next year. Yeah, no, this is where I'm going. (laughs) It's, It's coming to PlayStation holiday season 2016. Because here's the thing. They announced that in your fans riot. And there is zero fucking reason um, unless the the system that you are releasing it on, like uh, like Sony with uh, Street Fighter Five, unless they're helping bankroll the project, there is no reason to release a game for one system. You are not only pissing off your customers, you're fucking flushing money down the goddamn toilet. So what happens is, is these things are announced as exclusive, then then they announce that there's a PC release, and then they announce that it's just a timed exclusive, and you're going to get it anyways. Exclusivity means practically fucking nothing these days. And it makes... It really comes down to, uh, do you like Pepsi or Coke better? It, it's, just a, it's just a simple choice when you're picking your console. I mean, 90% of these games are going to be on both systems. Yeah, so it's interesting. I, I wish I could see how much money is being paid to these companies to keep them even right. time exclusive. Same. And if they're making back that money even at all, or maybe this will go away, or will this get bigger? If I don't know, that, say they throw five million bucks at who, who did this game? Square Enix or someone else? Square Enix is Crystal the publisher. Dyna- Crystal Dynamics. Yeah. So they throw say they throw five million bucks at them. So there has to be enough for the for the publisher to say I'm going to lose this amount of money not putting on this console. Right. In this case, two months versus the PC that's almost nothing. Who gives a shit? A year for another console that could be something. Right. That could be something. Um. So this is an experiment still. The fact that, though, it's only two months later, maybe there was a clause saying, if we don't sell a certain amount, this comes out on PC a lot sooner. Who knows? If I was a smart publisher, I'd build that into a contract like that. Hey, you didn't perform. You're costing me now money more than what you 
uh, gaming ready. This is coming out on PC a lot a lot earlier. You know, it, it's like you said already. Um, I without seeing the numbers that are thrown at a company for exclusivity or timed exclusivity, I, we can't really say what I'm going to say for sure, but. Um, the reboot of Tomb Raider was, by all accounts, extremely successful and very popular. And people wanted to play this game. And would they have really... The amount of money that they would have made from the exclusivity, would would they have just done better to say no and release it on all platforms? Especially, especially because, and they probably could not have known it then, globally, the PlayStation 4 is doing much better than the Xbox One. You've got a much broader market on the uh, PlayStation 4, and that's just going to naturally translate to more sales. Yeah. Uh, since this was recently announced to come out in January, I'm thinking that you, maybe, maybe there was a clause, an escape clause, or something like, if you don't push this number... Pull the ripcord. Yeah, <laughs> ripcord. Maybe this original was going to be a six-month until PC now. Well, it's only two months later. Sorry, assholes, you didn't sell enough. That's for- not exclusivity, really. We're, I mean- we're, we're keeping your money, and now we're going to come out with PC anyway. You know, maybe that was that was built in for that. I am not the most versed in esports and in, in, in things like Counter Strike. However, pro gaming, uh, pro gaming. However, it's it, it's uh, the top. This topic is more interesting to me for how Valve handled it. Uh, so a bunch of high-profile Counter-Strike Go players were given bans after they were caught match-fixing. A year ago. Uh, yeah. January, February 2015. Correct. Um, Duck Cudfam, Derek Deborn Boone, Casey Foster, Sam Dave's Marine, Braxton Swag Pierce, Kevin AZK, I can't pronounce that name. And, and I probably pronounced the first name wrong, too. And Joshua Steele Nissan, surprisingly, were banned. <laughs> yeah, and I agree with this uh, article. Those are stupid fucking names. They were banned for match-fixing. You mean, you mean that they're, 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 they're monikers? Yeah, they're monikers. Banned. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So... What this means is that they, like like boxing or sports, uh, they threw a match. Now, this was used to affect gambling on in-game items that can be uh, transferred, that can be easily translated into real-world money. Um, And it paints professional gaming in an incredibly immature, bad, and early light. Um, So, they were given... Uh, bans uh, from Valve, and they were given bans from the ESEA, um, saying that they could not attend tournaments for a whole year. Um, which I'm actually surprised. That seems like a fairly light punishment for fixing a match. Um, it, I mean, well, the, the story of how the match was fixed even goes so far as to say that uh, they, um, you know, the team that th- these guys who got uh, some of these guys who got banned. They were supposed to be the heavy, heavy favorites. They got I bu- I buy power. That was the name of their yeah. team. They got blown out, and the whole time they're playing like obvious shit. They're laughing when they die, and they're going for shit kills like knife kills when it doesn't make any sense. So it's uh, obvious. So let's just back up. The fixing has to do with the fact that you can, I guess, I guess in in the, the interface you could bet on games. Well, no, 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 no. There's a or, separate site for betting. There's a games. separate site, so people were betting against. The people had inside trading knowledge. I knew they were going to throw the game, and they were betting. Yes. that was part of the incrimination. But then, I guess when you win these games, you get certain skins, and they tr- and they can be traded, and they are worth 
money. It's 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 how it's it's like how people will pay real money for things in an online RPG. So they agree with some of these players on the opposite team to throw it yes. in, in exchange for you're going to give me these skins. Or yes, it's going to work out exactly. <sighs> wow. So to get to the meat of the story that and I these were good. These were good players. These were big. These time are supposed players. to be big time players. Sure. To get to the meat of the story that I want to talk about, the ESEA ban was lifted. However. Valve came out and was like, fuck off, you know what, your band's permanent. Uh, this, yeah, <laughs> and to me... Bravo, yeah. Valve. Oh, God, I love the fuck out of that Woo! decision. You know why? Because fuck these scum fucks. These are the type of guys who are probably fucking assholes, and maybe they're not, but I'm just going to assume they're assholes. No, they're um, assholes, of yeah, course. Yeah, I mean, are. obviously they're if, they're, if they're if they're fixing a match. These are the scum fucks of the earth. They're these fixing guys, professional you know, matches. Right. If you want us to take this sport seriously, you are a dirty piece of fucking feces. And um, the reason why the Valve ban is very important uh, over over ESEA is uh, the, the tournaments that mean anything are going to have backing by Valve. Yeah. If these tournaments want to continue it's, it's to have... Game. Yeah. <laughs> if, if they want to continue to have backing by Valve, then they need to uphold yeah. Valve's ban, no matter what the ESEA says about these people being allowed in tournaments. So these guys have been permanently relegated to fucking Bush Leagues. And I couldn't be happier about it. Uh, so they released a statement uh, of uh, Valve did a follow-up uh, to Integrity and Fair Play. Um, they, they talked about what happened uh, with the match-fixing Back in February 2015, our decision was to ban these players indefinitely from involvement in Valve-sponsored events. To clarify, the bans for these players are permanent. Yay. And players proven to have taken part in match-fixing will be permanently banned. As the scene grows, it's an unfortunate reality that some individuals will seek opportunities to take advantage of their fans. We will continue to take whatever action we think is necessary to protect the entertainment value created by professional Counter-Strike, including on occasion terminating our relationship with individuals who are demonstrating a willingness to exploit their fans' faith in the integrity of the sport. While bans can be disruptive and painful to some members of the community, they are sometimes necessary. We sincerely hope that we don't have to issue more in the future. And you know what? With these bans, you probably won't, because now they know that they have to toe the fucking line and realize this is a privilege to be paid professionally to play Play fucking video video games. games. It's a privilege. The same way it's a privilege to play professional sports that can be taken away in an instant and you gotta play by their rules, not your own. And, and... Bravo, Val. Bravo. Oh, I I think it's fantastic. And to go back to, you know, what we had kind of talked about earlier with just the the general thing about esports being, you know, still in its infancy, uh, you really do have to take Oh yeah, hard hard action here. If you ever want people to you take want, this legitimately, you want a, you want an ESPN type of network with this shit going on. Right, people know about. You want you want people acting like fucking children so they can get skins and a couple thousand dollars. Well, that's a problem. To, a lot of these are children. Yeah, to boost their fucking dick. You know, their e dick size. They realize how lucky they are to play fucking a first person shooter. Well, and get no, paid money. Uh, apparently they did it. So, so now know, they're not anymore for money. Anyways, I have nothing else to say uh, on this except for Bravo Valve. Um, fuck you guys. And uh, I mean, this isn't this is entirely warranted. Yeah, it was just funny that people were trying to get out. Oh, we weren't doing. You know, the, the excuses once they got caught, and it's like you only have these fucking excuses because you got caught. You fucking shit. Yeah, I, I it's. I wish some of these uh, teenagers, early twenties, whatever they are, go in the go in the real world and work a, a 45, 50 hour a week job, and then come back and realize what you fucking threw away. Yep, the fact because you were greedy and you have no goddamn integrity. All right, enjoy working around a fucking counter. This is kind of I don't know. This leaves a bit of a sour taste in my mouth. 
Um, so the Shenmue 3 de- developers held their Kickstarter, and there were Kickstarter rewards like there always are, you know, for various tiers. They ended up doing what is kind of often known as a slacker backer thing afterwards, where you could continue to pledge money, uh, you know, towards the game. Um, and they wanted to know... On, on another yes. avenue, like in this case, PayPal. PayPal. And they wanted to know if if people felt like it was okay for these people who backed late to get these same rewards as as uh, the people who, who backed up front. Now, I'm just going to come out and say before we go any further that my answer to that is probably no. I feel like if you take the risk and you back up front, you deserve what you get. And if you want to put, you know, if you back later, you know, you're doing so under, you're doing so knowing that you may not get anything. Okay. And that's okay. I don't have any issue with that. If they want to give rewards to those people, that's fine too. Sure. Okay. My beef here is that they held a poll and the poll was, should the Kickstarter exclusive awards be uh, made available to the PayPal, uh, the PayPal slacker backer page? And the majority was, yes, we're fine with that. Mm, the mm. people who, the majority, what I'm getting there. The majority was the people were fine, followed by uh, people who did not care one way or another, followed by the minority, well, which was no. Well, okay. Well, I'm looking at the poll now. You got, you got a little, it's 40, about 42% said either way is fine. Oh, okay. Sorry. Then I'm yes, looking at backwards. Then yes is a little over 30%, and then... No is about 28%. So I would, I mean, honestly, I feel like in this poll, you have to disregard the the either way is fine, because either way is fine, so it doesn't matter. Meaning that the majority then is yes. If you are, but here's the thing, they're not going to make those awards available to the PayPal backers. Like I said earlier, that would have been fine to me if they had not issued the poll. Because what this is is a company not listening to their fans. Now, their reasoning is fine. Their reasoning is fine. But that should have been the reasoning why they never brought this poll up in the first place. Yeah. Because if you're going to do that, then you listen to the fucking poll. Well, you can make an argument they did because there were more... There were more... Well, there were more yes and no's. They looked at it as the majority of people were an affirmative. That's how they took it. That's the way they, they, they combined the no's with the either way is fine against the yes. Which you can do the opposite, like you said. You can combine the yes with the either way is fine. They chose not to do that. They chose to say, who really cares? And who really cares is only to them about 30%. And to them, 70% it's either no or I don't care about them. That's basically how they looked at it. Which is one way to look at it. Which is shitty. But again, yes. Why put out the poll in the first place? Yes. Was, was there an internal Was there an internal debate within them, uh, the team saying, well, maybe we should give these out too versus not. And then people were like, no, I don't want to, so we'll ask the fans. I wouldn't ask the fans at all. Right, exactly. Because then you're you're opening this Pandora's box. That's why Kickstarter exists. You reward the people who are backing you yes. for, for their faith in the project. So, like I said, I have no problem with them not giving the awards to the PayPal backers my problem is that they decided to issue the... I, I'm repeating myself. I just... There's not much more for me to say here. I don't like the fact that they did this yeah. and then disregarded it anyways. Because I really do believe the either way thing, they really don't care. So those people yeah. aren't going to be upset. So you have to eliminate that. I think I think it's a really strange just because the people that on the Kickstarter probably want to get something extra for being early. At least I would. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, and why have the Kickstarter, like you said? And then the people who came afterwards shouldn't expect anything because they didn't do it during the Kickstarter. Right. So maybe 
I'm thinking, I'm not, I don't have a list of all the extras in front of me. I'm thinking they're in a weird spot where maybe they produced more than they needed and have some extra left over, but not enough to give to all the PayPal backers. And maybe they're thinking, well, maybe we can go out and produce, I don't know, on the top of my head, 3,000 more of these trinkets, but that would cost us money. We can't give it to some of the PayPal backers. So let's ask. That's I'm thinking it's something like that. They're in this weird sort of middle ground of what they should or, do. Or they had stuff left over, but they yeah. did, but they maybe one of the problems that they were facing was we've already got all these PayPal backers, now we have to institute tiers. Now yeah. obviously they could just there, use the Kickstarter tiers, but the, otherwise they would have to arbitrarily decide where these tiers are. Yeah, I I've never seen something like this before. It's either to me it's all or nothing and why again why put it out there why ask the people I mean the people the Kickstarter people they, again most don't care most are like well whatever I, I'm getting my trinket what that it's that sort of a weird question to ask the consumer about what someone else gets after you and that and that's why the, the whole um, you know I don't care thing you, you summed it up in a way that I couldn't they're getting it so they don't care I, there's not a lot of people who are like no this is my toy I can't share with you as long as they got it I don't think they, they give a fuck this was big news. A lot of people are upset at the Oculus Rift price uh, being revealed for $600. Now, the de- development set was, what, $300 the kick- way back on the Kickstarter? The devs, yeah, the dev set. A year and a half ago, that was, or two years? No, dude, that was, I, th- I feel like it was three or four. Wow. It's been a so, long time. So that was 300 bucks. So in between, well, who, who bought them out? Was it? Was it? Uh, like, Facebook. Facebook buys them out for what was it like two billion dollars or something ridiculous? You know, this guy's a million, a billionaire, or whatever. This twenty-three-year-old guy, uh, and so the price comes out. It's going to be six hundred dollars. And you need a pretty high-end PC to run this. And people are losing their shit, which I think is. I'm going to come out and say it. I think it's dumb. I think it's dumb to lose your shit over this. Uh, six hundred, not exactly the price I would have guessed. I probably would have guessed five hundred though. I mean, why is every, I mean, maybe everyone, maybe people wanted this and they were hoping they could reach into their pocketbooks and grab one of these. Um, I mean, I'm curious, but I mean, I, I don't have $600 and I'm not mad about this. Uh, new technology. I mean, new technology that's finally hitting a consumer market. Now, various forms of VR have been around since the 90s in shitty ways, but it's always been expensive. Always yeah. been expensive. I saw an DVD example. DVD players were expensive when they came out. They were like five six hundred dollars. I, I saw an example where the uh, like Samsung, I think, had a, a Blu-ray player. When Blu-ray players came out, that was a thousand dollars. Yeah. Why is everyone surprised? The i the first the I, first iPhone was expensive. iPhones are still expensive. That's uh, a whole other issue. I, I, I feel. <laughs> I, I feel like it's. I feel like people are or, looking at this technology differently and judging it differently because they're looking at it yeah. as a video game item. Early adopters are always hit the hardest when it comes to technology. Yes. Whether it's LCD TVs. Look at the price between LCD TVs 10 years ago and today. <laughs> yeah. It's like a third or a quarter of the price. Like you said, Blu-ray players are now 30 bucks. They used to be like, said, like 1000 bucks for a Blu-ray player when they first came yeah, out. Yeah, the, the PS3 was considered a steal at 600 solely because uh, it had a Blu-ray player in it. The first uh, CD, CD burners... Back in the late oh, yeah. 90s, or early, uh, mid-90s, $400 for a 2X? Yeah. You know, 2X speed, which you, if, you, if you don't remember what that was, you're taking like a half hour to burn a freaking CD, mm-hmm. and now you can do that in like 30 seconds. I would say maybe longer than that, but yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I had one. I was an early adopter, but I, I remember I went to a computer show and paid 230 or 225 for a 2X I CD ado- burner. I adopted it 4X. <laughs> Got 4X? Yeah. That, I, got, was I was one first. of the first I knew to get a DVD burner in 2002, and they were like $300, $400 back then. Yeah. 
They're uh, expensive. That took me actually a while. I probably didn't get one until 2006. I needed one for a project, but, you know, like, and that was when the technology wasn't even totally formal yet. Like, they still had the pluses and everything, so, like, there was the, even the burning was kind of weird about how you did it and what disc. So, you early adopters always get dinged. Yep. Because technology costs money. R&D costs a lot of money. And the costs don't necessarily come down right away. they got to recoup all those costs first before they can th- think about going mainstream. It's almost like pharmaceuticals. There's so much R&D in pharmaceuticals, so many failures that the reason, one of the reasons they cost so much, they got to recoup all those costs and recoup it right away before, especially in this case, the competitors come out with the generics. And in this case, you got three generics competing, right? You got Sony coming out with their headset. You got, uh, was, is it Valve doing theirs? Uh, I don't remember. I think, and I think Samsung has one coming. There's out all these competitors coming out. So, much like video game consoles, what what they're saying is that they are going to be selling this at a loss. Their package at a loss. Yeah, Valve has one coming out. Yeah, yeah. Okay, they're going to be selling this package at a loss. With um, it, it comes with um, comes with an Xbox One controller uh, and a couple other things. Uh, people are taking some umbrage with that because they're like, well, we don't need the controller. This is the package they're selling you, and they say they're taking it at a loss. I think one of the reasons, though, that people are, are upset with the price is not so much the price, but because the head, uh, last name is Lucky, um, has come across as not particularly fucking good at his own PR, and has said, you know, some fairly offhand snarky things um, about it. Like, well, if you don't want the controller... Palmer Lucky. Palmer, remember, yeah. remember with the, the, the dinosaur thing? Yeah, that's right. If you, Well, if you don't want the controller, sell it. For a profit, yeah, you, you know out of your own PR. So yeah, th- I mean, I think bad. I think some people are having issues with it because they're getting a bad taste in their mouth from the PR, which is leaving a bad taste in their mouth for Oculus, and then they look at the price and they get upset. But if you just take it as a piece of new tech, I don't think the price is really that ridiculous. Microsoft is doing their Hololens as well. That's a that's a, different. A, that's a little different though. But oh, yeah, okay, that's a fourth one though. So you got other companies coming in. Yeah. You know, you got Sony, Microsoft, Valve, uh, who knows, Nintendo might have something, who knows? I doubt it. But I'm just saying, this is what happens. So if you have a problem with the price, obviously don't buy it. Wait for it to go down, which could take a couple of years, but it'll go down. All technology goes down. Yep. Or buy a competitor, because now this is an incentive now for, okay, uh, Microsoft maybe has their version. Maybe, maybe it doesn't do everything exactly the same way. Maybe it's only $300. Buy that. Everyone's- buy Sony's. Everyone's, valves. everyone's looking at this who's about to release one they're going how can we beat them on the price yeah and i i'm going to wager that sony is probably going to enter the market at the most reasonable but the reason they're going to do so is because the other ones have the advantage of being used on a broader platform whereas and i did check this as of right now um, PlayStation VR is locked to PlayStation. You, yeah. you know, you're, you're not going to be able to use it for anything else. When 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 the PlayStation Four becomes obsolete, as of right now, so does your VR headset. Unless you can also use it on whatever in the future, maybe bring it over. Now, much like the Xbox Connect, um, I'm sure that someone will probably find a way to you know hack yeah. this and get it get it working on a computer. But, but as of right now, that I, I'm going to bet that will be the cheapest yeah, one. They'll lock that in. So yeah, you're right. It'll be cheaper because of the technology. It's all internalized. Now the Valve one could be interesting though. That'll probably be the, the biggest direct competitor then. Yes, I believe so. And then if Valve, Valve comes in and says, you know what, ours is 200 bucks cheaper. Guess who? Would, what everyone's going to buy? They're not going to care. If the Oculus Rift is that much better, 
That's two hundred bucks is a big price. All you need is a hundred bucks less. That's a hundred dollars of virtual porn you can go buy. I mean, because uh, that's that's the main reason people are buying these. Let's be realistic. It's the Saturn PlayStation <laughs> all over again, yes. undercutting. I mean, it'll take, maybe Valve can afford to take a small hit. I'm curious though, with all the money being backed though, uh, with this or by um, Facebook, that all these mistakes are being made in PR still and everything else. It's just really strange to me that this is still happening. Well, people have Twitter accounts and they just talk. So if you got paid out, you should step away from it. You just step right. away. What, what do you have to gain by... Well, he's only 23. So sure. Okay. This is a common theme about young people... Being n- dumb. Being dumb and not appreciating the <laughs> success of where they, where they are, and then maybe shooting themselves in the foot by, well, this, this guy got paid, but then, you know, selling skins in a Counter-Strike, you know, ring. Gamble, you know, gambling ring. <laughs> I don't know. I think... I think this also is a shocker because when you have a peripheral, again, this is a game peripheral, peripheral, and it's more than the system you're using it on, or and or computer. That's a lot to take. I think you're going to have to go through a generation of these three years down the line, less than half the price when they come out at two hundred fifty dollars, and you can use it on your computer and on your TV, and then people will be like, "All right, here we go." You know what I mean? Like when they, when you have an all-in-one universal. Now, now I need a, I need a, a different one for my TV when I'm watching a sports game versus the computer. Come on, right? When a standard is hit where a game is simply VR compatible and not PlayStation I, VR compatible I, or Oculus compatible, and I still maintain that this will never be main mainstream uh, for playing games. I still maintain that because they still got to figure out a way. Maybe it's by looking down and really extreme that. Well, I'm on a computer. I want to eat a Cheeto or get away for a second. I gotta. Yes. Lift it up and go back. You know what I mean? Like, what if what if my mouse got loose real quick? I gotta f- figure out where my ma- you know where the USB port is. That's always my initial <laughs> thought. That takes you out of the game and it probably is nauseating. Go back and forth. However, I feel like a simple answer is somehow to create a, a screen where you can in- introduce transparency, where you can dial it down. <sighs> Think about the orientation though of your of your mind. It's the dizziness that can. They gotta I, figure that out. I've never put one of these things on my head. I, I, I have a feeling, I mean, I, I don't know, it's 50-50 chance that I just barf city. Well, besides that, though, what if you get a phone call? Now i got to look around for my phone and take this thing off, and i got to readjust? Yeah. I was, I'm talking about using this thing for an hour. you got to take it off. It's not going to be automatically, oh, everything's fine. Right. you got to readjust to the world all of a sudden. And then they got, they'll figure this out, but it's going to take some time, and it's like, but maybe there's a chance that this is all. This is the end of the line for the Oculus, Oculus Rift, and the competitor comes in and eats their lunch. Yeah, that's possible. It's like Betamax, real quick. Betamax and and, and VHS, famous story. Beta was better, cost way too much, never caught on mainstream. There you go. You know what's not possible? (laughs) What's not not possible, Ian? Creating an an open world RPG like Star Wars. Um, You know, it's funny, but I honestly don't want to fucking kick this guy too much. I really don't, I guess. Uh, So, everyone probably has heard this story. If not, a gentleman launched a Kickstarter. I believe he was 20 years old. And uh, it was for an open-world RPG that he wanted to make like Star Wars. Uh, But not Star Wars. Like Star Wars. And uh, everything was going to be similar to Star Wars, but not. Lightsabers, spaceships, battles. (laughs) It was going to have... uh, I'm going to get to the the, the kicker here in a second. It was going to have graphics better than Battlefront. Now... Say what you will about Battlefront, and there are definitely negative things to say about it, even though I'm enjoying it. It's one of the nicest fucking looking games out right now. Uh, He was going to have graphics better than Battlefront. Um, He was the only team member. 
It was going to come out in December 2017. Well, and, okay, give himself two years at least. And, uh... That's for $200,000. Guys, he, he... Fuck you. Guys, all he wanted was $200,000 to make this dream come true. <laughs> it took a long time. <laughs> I was working up to it, you dick. Well, okay. Anyways. And here, no, here's the kicker you missed. His only material, no video... No. No list of, like, sketchings of the game designer graphics. All he had was an image done in the opening scroll saying Episode Devin, which is his first yes. name, Open World RPG, with some graphics you can't even, I guess, read all of, as far as I can say. Only 20 years old. Maybe he's touched or something. I don't know. No, he, but, I mean, I, I, there was, but you, but you look was an at interview his, with him. You look at his bio, though. Um, he says, I have owned businesses ranging from clothing to stocks. I don't know what businesses where you own stocks. No, it's not a business where I just own stocks. That's, 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 so, I don't. I don't know. Um, a, an interview was done with him. Uh, I didn't see that. Where was that? I wish I could fucking uh, look uh, it up while I'm talking. It's oh, in thanks, that article. Thanks. I'll do your work, work for you. Um, <laughs> there was an interview done with him, and and it was mild. And basically, uh, you know, he said he works a counter job. Uh, he's he's bored. You know, but his own stocks and uh, clothing. Apparently not, really. Um, you know, he works at counter job. He was bored, and he was driving along with a friend one day. He lives in, I believe, just some rural fucking part Great of Texas. Line, Texas. And he just wanted, you know, he was wondering where his life was going and what he wanted to do, and he decided he wanted to make this game. And he even admitted that he doesn't know anything about making games, <laughs> which is obvious. And that's where a lot of the... Um, the, the humor and the passing around of this came from was within the game development community. It was like... Look at this guy who thinks he's going to make this game by himself for $200,000. And the only thing that I will say really negative about this is this is what gives legitimate Kickstarters such grief from people who are like, really, you need $2.5 million to make this game? Well, this person only needed this much to make their game. People either don't realize that there's backers behind the scenes that already have money invested... Or they don't realize that a lot of these Kickstarters are pie-in-the-sky ideas with budgets that are completely unrealistic. Um, some of his comments from the Kickstarter pitch, uh, Devin. As I know, there are very good games over Star Wars. I guess it's about Star Wars. But within the bounds of good taste, I believe that these RPGs over Star Wars... Okay, hold have... on. I do want to say something real quick. He said that he wrote the entire pitch on his iPhone. <laughs> Which is why there's so many spelling errors. Sorry, continue. I believe that these RPGs over Star Wars have not reached their full potential. All right. I do not feel immersed in these games. KOTOR is horrible. I'm not talking about a 1995 flash 2005 game that could be created in a month or two. Yes, because that's how long it took to create, you know, uh, Knights of the Old Republic. (laughs) Um, I'm talking about a Star Wars RPG that will completely blow people away, like Fallout 4 or The Witcher 3 did. These RPGs set the benchmark of how future RPGs should look, and they are, they are a good blueprint to go on. I want to make something that is like this in some respects, but it goes even further. It will have the graphics of Battlefront, or better, with the feel of The Witcher 3. So, he's either insane or delusional. 
or he has some mental issues we don't know about. Or, or on, quite honest, I mean, do you think he just, or maybe he's just so optimistic about it, he could do it? And- I, I mean, any of these things are, are that way. But I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not a person who's going to jump to the conclusion that someone is is mentally disabled or has or has a mental issue. I, over, I mean, he could, but over optimism is one thing. But what I really think it comes from is people who just honestly have no fucking clue how game development works. Well, did he realize that when? Disney got a sniff of this that they would oh, come crashing sure, down right. like, I mean, like the mafia they are. That's a different thing entirely. <laughs> you know, like even referring but, to it as a, even even if you say Star Wars and quotes that Disney would be like, no, 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 no. That's a whole different ball of wax. The mouse does not abide really? by this. <laughs> like, like if this did not get taken down himself, I'd give it another week at most, and that would. They would show up at his front door. Yeah, we're not talking a play. You know, they'd be there like well, especially a team. especially because the Kickstarter, like you said, the only image there's no video just says Star Wars. Yes, it just says Star Wars. <laughs> yes, and you don't think they have an idea of, of a game or you know? Okay, Devin, you're you're probably a nice kid down in Texas. Let's have it. How about we do a Kickstarter for something that's not someone else's property, and then we'll we'll, we'll begin from there. <laughs> You know, start with a click and play game. There you go. All right. So this is in the land of the bizarre. I thought Sony was doing well the past few years, building goodwill with everyone, you know, with the PS4 and independent game, uh, you know, promotion and, and nurturing that. Because after, after Microsoft totally dropped the ball with the Xbox one with the original DRM and everything else, they go do something really, really stupid. They try to uh, trademark the term let's play. Their application was denied. Um, If you don't know, uh, anyone could submit a trademark. It's not like a copyright where you actually have to have created something. Or a patent where you have to have designed something and have designed. You can go and try to trademark anything you want. Any phrase you want, any symbol you want, any picture you want uh, for use. Usually commercially, um, to have the intellectual property of a phrase like the guy... The guy who, uh, Michael Buffer, let's get ready to rumble. He trademarked that, which means that you cannot use that as permission and or paying him in print, on TV, anything else. That's what a trademark is. So for Sony to try to trademark a, a common term that's been now in existence for, what, four or five years in the mainstream, that's the term for a whole genre of videos. It's a whole term uh, uh, for really a now subculture of gaming is a little nasty. To do that, it is, and and I'm not siding with them. I believe, I believe what they had said, or what was what they had said was, it was to be used internally so that no other company could do so, and that they that it was unlikely that they would go after anyone like like an actual let's player. However, that to me sounds like them trying to save face for trying to do something really fucking stupid. So they were trying to be the good big brother. We'll trademark it so no one else tries to, but well, we won't so go they, after So they could you? do something like Sony's Let's Plays or something like that, but Microsoft but they, couldn't do, you know, but, uh, Xbox's Let's Plays. But by keeping this not trademarked, they could still do that. Yes, I know. And then when someone else tries to, I'm explaining to the audience to you, and uh, you though, when someone else tries to, they can bring up the fact that we already have I forget it. sometimes we're talking to, talking to them too. To I know. people. I know you're mesmerized by my green eyes. Anyway, so... One of the one of the caveats of getting a trademark and having it successfully, uh, the application be successful, is that you have to show that one of the tenets is that it's not already heavily used elsewhere. In this case, it was denied because there's a let's play with a Z that's already trademarked by someone else, totally different. 
But I'm I'm thinking that it would be tough for them to get away with it anyway, just because the let's play term is is a common term at this point. It'd be like trying to to uh, to trademark a term like uh, a first person shooter. Right. You know, you're trying to trademark a term that's already out there and has been used forever. That's a really tough to do in general. When it comes to stuff like trademarks, it's usually not um, heavily favored automatically to just automatically go to the person it, it being applied. There, there's a burden of proof, so to speak. It's not like uh, it's it's more subjective. It's not like a copyright where you have uh, you're the author of the work. We have a copy of your work. You're the copyright holder. It's not that cut and dry. So I'm glad it got denied. It's a little embarrassing for Sony. They have six months to appeal, though. So I'm not sure they're going to be able to have that burden proof come back and say, well, this is the reason why we think it should go with us. Or maybe they'll just drop it entirely. Because if this if this went through, the internet would go nuts. Yeah. Even if Sony never pursued it. Even if they didn't go after every single person with a YouTube video called Let's Play or a YouTube channel called Let's Play because it would be within their right then to go after that. Right. That's what a trademark Let's entails. Let's video game. Yes. That's basically what would have to people would have to be like, okay, let's play. Now, we can't even come up with a term that even sounds like it, because then that falls under the trademark. We have to come up with a whole new term. Yeah, like, let's have fun playing a video game. Like, that would be, like, the term that would be close, but not close enough to be falling under their trademark. Really, really silly, Sony. This is funny to me. This is a fun... This is our clickbait topic of the week. The clickbait topic of the week! Porn! So, Xbox fell. They tumbled down the this porn... Is a, this is a mighty battle. They tumbled down that porn pedestal of most porn watched on video game consoles. What a battle. What a battle. Just gallons of semen. <laughs> <laughs> just fucking loads. <laughs> sticky loads just oozing out of these warriors. So Falling. So this is based upon Pornhub's one of the... I've never been there. One of the, one of the free... I have. One of the freebie... No, actually, uh, I don't use Pornhub. I use X-Videos. Uh, one of the freebie uh, sort of uh, porn collection sites that they go and they they steal porn from everywhere else, which is actually inside the por- uh, porn industry is really hot topic about how to deal with sites like this. It, it's a conglomerate. You know, they take the videos from like 20 other sites and you can watch them on one site for free. Um, so Pornhub... But you've never been there. Never been there. <laughs> who, who watches porn, right? No one. So they released their sort of um, their first of all they released their year in review, which I think is funny as hell. U.S. number one baby for porn watch, still number one baby. Um, it looks like we're over the top ten countries. We're probably the top five combined gets to the U.S. Why uh, do you think that is? Well, we we have a lot more people. Uh, oh, okay. We have three, I, over 300 million so people. So you don't think it's done as like a, an actual... Oh, we're hornier. Well, actually, no. Well, yeah, plus it's technology. Like, like India has like one and a half billion people at least, and they're like a, a fifth of our porn traffic. I wonder if it's... I, I always wondered if it was because we're generally seen as a uh, more sexually purient com- uh, country. Puritanical? Purit- yeah, purit- uh, puritanical. So we do this in private instead of just going out and fucking. No, I... Th- no, it has nothing to do with it. It's totally separate. But India just went up one. They're, they used to be number four. The, Canada, you dropped. You slipped, buddy. Canada, you slipped in your porn watching. India's coming on strong. Imagine if, if everyone in India had a computer, or even half the people had a computer, they would be like ten times us. Right. You know, just because of the population alone. So, how long does each country visit? Uh, Philippines, number one. Average 12 minutes, 45 seconds. They like to linger. 
But uh, then it drops off like significantly three minutes. United States second though, nine minutes fifty one second. This is a tw- you gotta you gotta find the perfect video. And then shortest duration. I'm sorry, Moldova. Seven minutes, th- 37 seconds, you got to do better. You're not even enjoying yourself. And then the lowest one, probably because there's not a lot of bandwidth to go around Cuba, five minutes, 11 seconds. You got to, free- you know, once the capitalistic market gets more in there, that'll go up. <laughs> and then, so, okay, what, 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 we're, what we're trying to get to is that game consoles is on this list. Um, and by the way, the number one search term is something I never even heard of, but now later turned out, giantess porn. Something I've never heard of was a number one search hmm. term. In 2015, uh, terms of explosion of term over the previous year. Interesting. Giantists, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of Amazonian porn out there that I don't know about. I have to, exper- I have to experiment with. I, 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 keep, I, <laughs> you know? I keep things varied. I don't think I have well, anyone searching. Most term. popular search in the U.S. Stepmom, followed by cartoon. Second. <laughs> it's just sort of a weird one-two combo. Oh, uh, stepmom cartoon was third. No, not stepmom. Uh, uh, oh, that that's a combo? Oh, no, no. Stepmom was one. I was being, making a joke. I like the joke. Oh, the okay. Stepmom one, cartoon two. Yeah. Uh, cartoon porn's interesting. Milf taking a tumble. Milf went down. Really? <laughs> that, that was such a hot term like three, four years ago. <laughs> it's very interesting to see the, like, the terms of where everything is. That's All right. Something. Well, anyways, uh, so basically what's going on here is uh, PlayStation 4 users are watching more porn. Yes, they've 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 regained it from uh, from Microsoft, and then the, it's funny though because uh, making the list still people are I guess watching porn on you don't picture a, a kitty console like Nintendo people looking at porn, but they are still uh, on the Wii U. Remember the tablet you can take into your bed, but three. Nah, yeah. Well, you would have to set your system up very close to the bed. <laughs> there's not a there's you not know, a lot of reach. To, you don't want to go out during a key right. moment. You don't want the bandwidth to go out. Fuck! Yeah. I lost it. <laughs> Not waking off to a blank screen or, or or my menu screen. Um, I have to use my imagination. But 3ds people forget that you know th- there is 3D porn out there. With the th- I the day I got my 3ds, I'm like, you know what? I wonder, and there was. And it's you, a special format for the 3ds too. Is there really a special or, porn? I, I don't or, know if it's a special. Like uh, I I only investigated pictures. Um, I, it, it's it's a very specific format that is used by the 3DS and maybe a couple other things. It's really fascinating. Then there's actually a gaming search term, which I actually stopped. Uh, well, I just had it. There was a term just for people. Oh, oh, excuse me. I thought it was. Oh, it was not gaming. Gaming U.S. searches. You just it's interesting to see where our our, our palette, our sexual palette, is changing year by year. Anyway, total clickbait. I don't care. I got to eat. So does Ian. So <laughs> I'll put the link to the Pornhub. Um, very good research, by the way. It's very nice. There's like we're talking like this is like 20 pages of results at least. This is they've done their research on uh, traffic by device worldwide uh, and everything else by desktop OS. Man, not a lot of people on Linux watching porn. Porn is not shameful. Porn is okay. Enjoy your porn. This is something that wow. We haven't talked about this since, since well, it's already been over a year, year and a few days, or a year and a month. This is all you. I don't even give a shit. I just think it's ridiculous. Well. well why not? CM Punk is going to be in the UFC uh, 2 game. Um, the trailers uh, just came out while we're talking about this. The trailer's out. And there are people upset for a number of reasons. Because, can I just... Uh, the only thing I'm going to say is, I believe that CM Punk in UFC 2 is the equivalent of clickbait. For it, the game? Yeah. It's, oh, Punk's here. Okay. It's, I know that guy. It's it's the same reason why they signed him back, what was it, already November, December 2014. It's been over a year. They want to get the casual fan or the WWE fan interested. What's stranger about this, though, besides the fact that 
Well, seeing his tattoo, it's like it's funny how half his tattoos are trademarked. Yeah, the cobra. So the cobra doesn't have the full cobra. It's just like the the snakes on the outside. Yep. Um, Obviously, he hasn't fought yet. There's inside word that either well, he's he's had injuries training. He would have fought fought He's 38. He's gone through 20 years of fighting as pro wrestler. He's banked at the begin with. It's very hard to transition into. It would be hard for me to transition into uh, MMA, not being a pro wrestler. To have all those nagging injuries, hips, knees, joints, neck, back, to then try to do it, really tough. Really well, tough. A UFC fighter, and this is not this is not me making any sort of, but like, diving off of ropes, things like that, like impact on yes. knees, like joint impact, like, it's just pain, <sighs> year after year, injuries. I hope better. he gets his fucking clock knocked. I want I want to give him a fair shake. Supposedly his opponent, they've kind of picked out, Dana White, they picked out a guy who's, uh, I believe he's one and zero in pro fights. He's a twenty-three-year-old guy from Jersey that is going to fight him. But there are people saying that, or at least uh, I've seen in the commentators and his pin that he, he's not progressing as quickly as they thought, especially uh, when it comes to striking. No shit. Uh, he has he has some kempo karate background, muay thai, um, and jujitsu. That's fine. But we're talking about it's not like you can pick up being a world class striker and go forward with it and be good at it. One of the, Ronda Rousey just got her ass handed to her by a world class striker, and in the uh, in the in the women's division they didn't really exist. One right. of the reasons why Rousey went through the division was because she didn't have to worry about getting her clock cleaned and having a, an elite striker being able to hold her off while she went in for her judo clinch, do her judo throw, get in her arm bar, and that's basically how she defeated everyone because no one. It was a very light division. Then she faced someone who had a kickboxing and boxing experience and made her look like a rank amateur in the ring. Picture that now. With the men, where just about everyone, by and large, you have to be at least a very good striker to even have a chance. Right. So CM Punk's coming into this now where, forget about his first fight, if he manages to get through that, what's going to happen after that? He's going to be facing guys with elite striking abilities or very good where he's been trying to play catch up he's going to get destroyed. Oh yeah, that's always been my thoughts on it is even if he wins his first fight, yay, congratulations. Now we're going to find another t- Now you're going to King face Canada now fight? you're going to face real opponents. Yeah. And I'm not saying that the guy he's oh. facing isn't a real opponent, but they're only going to get more and more difficult. Or else what is he going to do? They're going to find guys that with, with limited experience to fight him. I think th- I think they realize that well now honestly, they should have had him fight within 6 months because now at this point he's been out. He hasn't wrestled in 2 years now. Yeah, I, I was actually going to ask that at the start. Is, Has he fought yet? Because I would have just assumed Royal he Rumble did, two years went, ago was his last WWE yeah, appearance. I just thought he had already fought and it went under my radar. So they already like sort of lost the mystique about it. Um, but what's stranger is that to put him in a video game, you have to have like fight stats for the fighter oh, I, I, and everything. I, I, so what the <laughs> hell are they going to do with CM Punk? Are they going to assume that he's an average striker and his jiu-jitsu is pretty good and that Overall, eighty-two is what I'm expecting. Like, they can't insult him and give him like the base fifty-five right, or know, sixty. I know, I know. So they'll give him pretty good, but then that'll be insulting to the to the mixed martial arts that have been there for five. They're gonna be like, "What the fuck?" CM Punk got ten more question points. Mark, question gonna, mark. Question mark. Question mark. It's gonna be like the NHL players back when the game came out used to complain about their stats when, the, when they first started doing that video games, like yeah. NHL 93, 94. They'll be like, "What the hell is this?" You know. But this is guys that will, will want a piece of them. It's a mess to do it. I understand they have to. People are like, oh, but Bruce Lee's in the game. Bruce Lee was a real martial artist, artist, and he was the father of mixed martial arts. 
that makes sense for Bruce Lee to be in the in the game. Maybe they'll do a roll your own punk. Every time every time you pick punk, that you just roll different stats. And, and Bruce Lee was a legit badass. People from all the time said, like Chuck Norris said, yeah, he would kill you. Like he was legit. God, you that's know? like my favorite scene in any movie is when Bruce Lee fights Chuck Norris in Return of the Return Dragon. Dragon. Oh, I love that movie. Sorry, continue. Oh, it's just a shame with Bruce Lee. Anyway, yes. so it's just really strange. I will. I don't want him. To, I don't want him to get his clock cleaned on principle. I just want more of Dana White to be shown up that this was really a bad decision and disrespectful to the rest of the fighters that I have. Okay. Yeah, I could, if, I'm with you on that. And not. I don't necessarily want. I I, I still follow him Punk on Twitter. Is, is he? A, he is a dick, but I'm a dick a little bit. We both have the punk. I'm, I'm a huge fucking dick, but still, I just don't like his brand of dickishness. His, it, it rubs you even more than than I than I do. Okay, his dick rubs you more than I do. I didn't mean to say it like that. His yeah, his, <laughs> his dick rubs me raw. <laughs> All right, real quick on this one, Desert Bus Two. I think this is great. It's been announced. I love Pendula. I love Penn and Teller. Me too. You know why I love them the most? Wow. Uh, because they constantly fucking give anti-vaxxers shit. But anyways, that's one of the things they are more like, uh, well, they're, they're atheists. They had their great bullshit show used to be, on, I believe, mm-hmm. Showtime, where they would say why, 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 why the death penalty is bullshit, mm-hmm. why things uh, even um, gun control, they thought, you know, bullshit, all this stuff that they, they would try to rationalize what's really going on. So the original Desert Bus, if you didn't know, was part of uh, Penn and July Smoke and Mirrors, which was a canceled Sega CD game. Mm-hmm. 94, 95, 96, around there. So... Sega CD era. Circus yeah. Sega CD. <laughs> it was a collection, I think it was five games. Um, you know, the one was kind of a platformer, uh, but their most famous one is the, the Desert Bus, which is the trip from, uh, what's the trip from? Is it from uh, Vegas, uh, Reno, is it Reno to Las Vegas and back? I should know this by now. I should know it too. It's an eight-hour trip. And you go, I mean... Tucson, Tucson, Arizona to Las Vegas. You get, it's an eight-hour trip. Um... You do nothing but drive through the desert. Uh, you get one point for reaching your destination. It takes about eight hours, and uh, you cannot just hold down or tape down the accelerate button because the bus has a very slight, not not difficult, there's no difficulty here, but a very slight lean to the right, so if you just leave it, you'll crash. Thankfully, the uh, it was the game was completed, never released, mm-hmm. and the ISO was put online, and that's how the reason why we have it today, thankfully. Strange that that game would get so compl- to completion and not come out. Oh, it was also on PC? I didn't know it was on PC. Oh, they're planning it for PC. I didn't know that. That would have been interesting. And 3DO was planned for by Imagineering. Um, so, yeah, there's like seven games. There's one called Smoke and Mirrors, Sun Scorcher. What's your sign? So, why I love Penn & Teller, uh, you watch their show? Where they, where they, you, 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 um, I have. I mean, I don't, I don't know what their current show is. Uh, their current show is Fool Us. It's been on it's two seasons. The first year was a few oh, years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I've seen, I've seen parts of it, yes. So, magicians come out, you have to fool Penn yeah. and Teller. And it's a fantastic show because, first of all, they're just likable people. They always perform it at the end. And they admit magic's fake. But it doesn't take any of the quote-unquote magic out of it. Uh-uh. And even when they're trying to debunk the tricks, they never reveal how it's done unless they're pushed to by a really... Um, annoying person that would admit that Penn and Teller knew how they did it. And they were tricked, and they, they were humble enough to know when they're tricked. Uh, whether it's... Uh, and plus, the tricks are amazing. Like, the, the, there are card tricks that are absolutely astounding. Or, like, the guys, like, um, put put a pack of cards into a sealed pack with their card in it. It's like, wow, how do they do that? I don't know. That And they fool Penn and Teller. 
off topic. So Desert Bus got really popular as a means to raise, raise money. charity. Yeah. Uh, raise money for charity. And uh, they want to make a sequel. And they want to make it specifically to raise money for charity. Which is great. And make it available for people. And I think it's interesting. I'm, 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 I'm very excited to see what they do. Um, I'm assuming it's going to be just about as mundane. But... It'll be just as nonsensical, yet interesting, which is basically what their act is. Basically, they need to do something that's going to be amusing, so that, you know, especially so that, like, Desert uh, Desert Bus for Hope, um, you know, can provide essentially a quote-unquote change of scenery. It'll have VR in the sequel. Yeah. Uh, you know, provide a change of scenery. Uh, but it still needs to be easy enough that people can go days playing this to raise money. You know, you, you still need... So, they. That's what so I, something that's how that I feel. not too challenging to throw you off. Yeah, but still like eight hours long. Something that you can't cheat it. So that's interesting. Okay, so it's just going to be. Oh, it's not going to be the entire Smoke and Mirrors. It's just going to be the Desert Bus sequel. I thought they were going to do a whole other. Oh no, package again. No, just Desert Bus two. Oh, okay. A little less interest though, but it's still cool because they realize they realize that hell, so many people know about them because of, of the charity events, the big one, Desert, Desert Bus for Hope, which does, what, hundreds of thousands a year yeah. with corporate interests in there and giving their money. Great job of them raising their money uh, doing that. So check out uh, uh, Fool Us, Penn and Teller. Watch it on Hulu. It's a great show. So I find this to be incredibly charming. Um, Natsume, Natsume, a Japanese company um, well-known for uh, their Harvest Moon series, among other things, uh, has a cute little eBay store. And on this eBay store, uh, they sell things like sealed copies of Pocky and Rocky and their, uh, you know, their... their Lufia their, 2? Their, their Harvest Moon games, uh, Lufia 2. And Real Fishing 2 on Sony PlayStation. They, there's so many things they sell. Stuffed animals? And, and, yeah. The, the, which that, I have one and, from uh, from uh, CES, from E3 a few years ago. Yeah, and I, I, uh, I, I bought, at Comic-Con, I bought Vonnie a chicken that can lay an egg, and then you can fold the egg inside out into a chick. They have a plush uh, alpaca. Yeah. That's cute. It's awesome. And that's how this, this store started, was a way to sell overstock of the stuffed animals that they used to give away as pre-order bonuses uh, when you would pre-order Harvest Moon games. But what I find so interesting and, and, and cool about this is they started to kind of like look around their offices and they have tons of sealed games. DS games. DS. Harvest Moon Basically every PlayStation they've ever put something out on. Every station? Every, every, every console? Every, yeah, I'm sorry. Every console that they put games out on. And they're just auctioning them off. And people are getting, like, all of these, you know, great hits. You want to own something cool by Natsume? You can pay as little as, like, 20 bucks. Or you can pay as much as, like, 100 or, like, 200 or something, you know, um, for for certain games. But what's more interesting is that it it shows kind of that... I think it confirms something that a lot of people wanted to believe or did believe. And that's Japanese game developers and companies that have been around for a long time really do just have treasures lying around their fucking office. Yeah, I mean, they've already gone through... Harvest Moon sealed on PlayStation went for 118 open bids, open auction. Harvest Moon 64, a brand new one for 317. Yeah, that's gotta be... Pocky and Rocky, Super Nintendo sealed new one for almost 1700. (laughs) And then Lufia 2... Lufia 2, that's not exactly an easy game to find, having it sealed $760... And there's more for auction now. Yeah, they actually... Another Pocky and Rocky. There was a picture, I believe, Another on... Another Lufia 2. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna credit Tiny Cartridge here, I, th- I believe, for having the picture. Uh, there was like a tiny, just a tiny picture, just a tiny idea of what they have of like a little closet that they took a picture of, just like stacks of sealed games, and they're like, "Yeah, we're just gonna drip these out into our our, our online store." Oh, I didn't see that picture. So there's a chance <laughs> they could have at least a few shipping boxes of sealed Pocky and Rockies laying around. Probably not. Well, there's but, at least two they have here. Yeah, but it's still it's <laughs> I don't know. There's something. Adorable about this. To I me. think it's really cute that they're they the fact that they're having these stuffed animals. But this could be could this open up for other companies? I would love I would love for it to open. Like, the, the, like I I wonder if other companies are looking at this Bandai? right now and being like like hey uh, so they just sold a sealed copy of Pocky and Rocky for seventeen hundred. Uh, how about we start going through our hey. closets because we've been around for thirty fucking years. I think that that might happen. Banda, I know you still have that box of stadium events. I know you still you, you held <laughs> back a box. You held back a box. I want Namco to start going through their well, fucking offices. You want to go through the office. You want to go to Japan, like like that scene in Dark Knight. You want to fly in and go through the roof. We could film something for Pornhub <laughs> if I'm going through their closets. <laughs> Namco's on the rise for search terms for porn. Um, if they have two, I'm gonna go retro. If they have if they have. Two Pocky and Rockies and two Luffy and two sealed laying around. They got more than two each. They got shipping boxes, at least one. They have to. the reason to have two of each of those laying around. Does make any sense for Pocky and Rocky? No, actually, not the, a big seller. They had said that there was a fairly good reason for only a couple of certain things being around, meaning that they had only kept a few around to send out to like, uh, like they had initially set aside like maybe ten copies to send out to review publications. And they ended up with more than they needed. So, you know, these are the extras. Um, I really, really doubt that there's full shipping boxes of Pocky and Rockies, but I'd love to be proven wrong. I'm saying at least one. Sure. It's six. That's... A shipping box is only like six. Okay. I would love to, that to be the case. Uh, the closest thing to this was a Nintendo, I think, of Canada. It was like, remember like five years ago, they found they found some games and put up like Seal, like uh, Kirby's adventure remember that i don't actually. my version actually comes from probably the same it wasn't from a nintendo auction but the nintendo auction off uh, stuff directly where's my where's my kirby but it's the, it's a dual uh, french english on the back they, they nice. did that someone help me out in the comments i'm talking to them now Ian. someone help me out in the comments where where um nintendo had their own ebay store like five years ago i know they have their own ebay store now again but they did auction off some new old stock of some sealed games some later titles uh you know from like the early to mid-90s that they still had laying around. Like a Warriors Super- Woods or something? Yeah, I think it was stuff like that and probably like the good old F-Zero shipping boxes that are, are worth nothing, Rue. I remember when I first started working at Luna, for the first four years or three years that I worked at Luna, we could order sealed F-Zeros from our distributor. So there's nothing. So they had a bunch of new old stuff. Yeah. It was, it was like F- F-Zero... Um, it, it was that was it, like Vegas, Perfect Dark, Vegas, Perfect, Vegas Dream. Perfect was Dark one was of them. another one that was readily available from Nintendo Sealed for a long, long time. Very interesting. Uh, yeah, Bandai, don't hold back. Blow up that same events market, please. Oh, now I get it. Yeah, that would be awesome. Why, they, why do you think? What, 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 really, you athletic rules? one? Yeah, no. well, I get one. But I'd yeah, if they, if they could drop like two hundred sealed ones, I'm, I'm, I'm saying <laughs> drop twenty. Even twenty would, that would drastically kill, the, kill it. Would it. Kill the market. It would drop by like eighty percent. Oh, you've got ten hoarded. Fuck yourself. 
you know, there'd be, there'd be people trying to negotiate. Probably don't release it. I'll buy it from you. Please don't release it because we're, we're, we're got to protect the value. Sweating fucking bullets, <sighs> dripping fucking <sighs> shit out. I, I want to retire on a sealed stadium events. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good. <laughs> All right, I'm really whatever. Okay, so this next topic, this topic, I'm upset. <laughs> And I'm not upset at the basic idea. So, Voltron is going to get rebooted through Netflix. I love Voltron. I have every single episode of Voltron that came out on DVD in those special lion tins. Uh, Yeah, the US-only episodes fucking blow. Um, Go Lion is great, but I actually kind of really like the US adaptation of Voltron. Um, It's it's a good show. Monster of the Week, but whatever, it's fun. So they're going to reboot it, and that's cool. I, I'm interested in seeing what they do. A lot of kind of like Voltron revisits or reboots like 3D and whatnot weren't so great, but Netflix definitely, they've proven to us now that they're going to really put a good effort into something when they, when, when they do it, especially an exclusive show. My problem with this is fucking every single goddamn article about this made it a clickbait headline that made it sound like Guillermo del Toro was fucking involved in the Voltron reboot. Oh, no, not clickbait! Yeah. Well, I was really, really excited <laughs> when I thought Guillermo del Toro was fucking doing Voltron. Would he really be necessary for a Voltron reboot? Huh? Would he be necessary for a Voltron reboot, though? It would have made it really cool and really interesting. Make it, like, horror-themed but yeah, the, you know every every headline wanted to talk about uh, Troll Hunters, which is the thing that he's going to be doing for it, which I'm interested in. But they always uh, phrased it in a way that made Voltron it look like... reboot, comma new anime show from Del yeah, Toro. Right? The comma separates them, so it's two. Yeah, but they never yeah. mentioned Troll Hunt. I'm just saying eh, we don't need that. Well, so it's a deal between uh, uh, DreamWorks Animation and Netflix. It's interesting that Netflix wants to get into animation stuff. That's a cool idea. Well, they they said months and months ago that they did. They they want to do an exclusive uh, anime. They want to reimagining. They want to they want to get people. Uh, they want to get animators and companies from Japan to do exclusives. So GI Joe cartoon, no GI Joe cartoon, <laughs> not those shitty ones in the past ten years that are awful. I want a good GI Joe. I'm sorry. Okay. So I mean, I would love for this to work out well. I don't have a whole lot to say other than that. Um, it would be interesting to see them take the original characters and the original idea. And perhaps make it a more continuous story. Um, I gotta go back and watch. It's, it's so funny. I love Voltron as a kid. I don't remember any any episodes. Like I, I guess they didn't really show me after the after the, the like eighty seven. I don't remember seeing any reruns. So on the first anymore. like four or five are really great because they're all continuous. It's like a miniseries. Yeah, and then I mean they do change they change some things like in the Japanese. The guy gets in, killed in, in Japanese, Go Lion. Right? Sven's dead in 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 the U.S. version. He just. Gets injured and retires, basically, from, from, from being in oh, really? Golion is good. Golion is a much darker um, um, show, which is where... that That's that's what the majority of Voltron is based <laughs> off of. Happens, yeah. um, but in this instance, I actually kind of like the slightly cheerier version, the U.S. version. Probably because it's what I remember from being a kid. You want darkness? Go watch the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon. There you go. That's a little dark for kiddies. That's finally... That's on DVD. That's a whole other conversation. My sister loved that show, and I, I ripped and found the torn of that and burned them for her even way before the, the DVD came out, and she really didn't appreciate that. I've much. never played the D and D pinball machine, but I really want to. It looks fucking awesome. Well, it has nothing to do with the cartoon, though, does it? Uh, I don't know, no, but, but the back the back glass looked like really cartoony. I don't think it has anything to do with the cartoon. Yeah, I'm just car- saying D and D. I'm thinking. D&D. I'm just laterally thinking. Here we go. You've been waiting for this. It ain't a pong movie. 
that was rumored, but uh, we're getting a Tetris movie. Now, it's not an animated movie seeing Tetris blocks come down. It's actually a decent idea. Yeah. Um, so, the story of Alexei Pajanov, who I, I I met him. I met the guy. I should have... That was a whole weird thing hosting that Tetris tournament, but... Um, it's going to be a story about his life creating Tetris and how he was in Russia and, and how, you know, all the deals and everything, you know. Um, so it's going to put him back probably in 84 when he came up with it, when he was basically working for a Soviet-funded company um, and came up with it, a puzzle idea. And I think it, was, it wasn't even as – it was just a test, you know, uh, computer, like, like uh, computer specs and things of that nature versus coming out with a game that would revolutionize, you know, gaming. So, Brett Ratner is attached to this. Before you say, oh, Brett Ratner's terrible. It, Brett Ratner is sort of like a, a tool as a director. you got to make sure you use him for the right job. <laughs> you don't use a screwdriver to hammer a nail. So, you know, Brett Ratner gets a lot of guff for X-Men 3. He was brought in the last minute on X-Men 3. But this is yeah. something. So this is going to be the story of how Tetris was made, yeah, and and things like that. Honestly, man. you don't need a you don't need a greater flashy director for this. You can have someone who's strictly utilitarian. You need a good script. Yeah, uh, Brett Ratner directed Red Dragon, uh, which was also was done as Manhunter. It's a Thomas Harris novel. It's the first in the Hannibal Lecter series, and Red Dragon was a pretty good movie. Never saw it. Uh, a pretty good movie. Had a good script based on good source material. So it's not like just because Brett Ratner's attack is going to be awful. Again, X-Men 3, he was brought in, I think it was like six weeks before they were going to start shooting, he was brought in, which is, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yes, it was like, all right. That explains a lot. <laughs> because someone thought it was a good idea to abandon it to go do Superman Returns and ruin two franchises instead of only one. Anyway, which was, uh, what's his name? He was doing, doing uh, Apocalypse. Uh, anyway, uh, so there's nothing else really... About this that we know about, but it's the rat. Doesn't have the best reputation. I'll give it a fair shake. Again, it's gonna be the script. If the script's good, this would be a probably good fun movie. I, I'm interested from the start simply because I think the the basic now, story of Tetris is, is is interesting. Now, I think it's interesting though. Also, is that with this and then console wars and that we're getting into this cool stage where you're getting dramatic sort of video game theme movies. Yeah, console wars is probably gonna be sort of the same tone of. Uh, the social network, the Facebook movie. Well, that's what people know. are saying about this, that they're going to go for that tone. Console Wars by my pal, Brett Ratner, who did the... Brett Ratner. <laughs> God, Brett Ratner is on my... my Blake Harris! My friend, Blake My friend, Harris. Brett Ratner. Blake Harris, who wrote the forward to Ultimate Nintendo, God to the NES Library. So anyway. Cheap pop. Ooh, I, I, so, think, I think it was well played. <laughs> um, uh, Nintendo celebrating 20 years of Pokemon. I know you and Ian are from a different time, but still, yes, we're, we're from a different era. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> well, it means probably we weren't big fans of uh, Pokemon guys. Well, I was, uh, was the thing. I, I loved red, blue, yellow, Pokemon. gold, silver, crystal. Um, and yeah, I was like 16 when that came out. I was not, I was not a kid. Uh, I was not an adult, but I was not a kid. Um Look, it, 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 it just, it's part of my junior year, and, and so, so Pokemon, and, you know, so is LSD. And here's the, here's my story. Here's my fond memories of, of Pokemon. I played Blue, and um, I used to do acid and go to school. And I had a lot of study halls because I had a lot of classes finished. And well, You had more than one study hall? Yeah. I had one study hall, like, my last semester. 
Yeah, well, because at, at, at the time, because because I of my gym class attendance, I did not have the privilege to leave the stu- the, the grounds. Uh, that was their punishment for me. Anyways, what did you do, Ian? That's another conversation. Yeah. Right. So, anyways, I would always go to these study halls, and I had one. Yeah, the study hall monitor was Eugene Ravenel, and I loved Eugene Ravenel. Are you doxing him? Because Eugene Ravenel <coughs> would always. Um, yell at everyone else for doing bullshit in class, uh, in, in study hall. I would always go to study hall, fucking out of my mind. I'd put my uh, book bag on top, of the- I'd pull out my Game Boy Color, and I'd play Pokemon Blue. And I played that game all the time. I adored it. I would trade with friends in high school. I beat the Elite Four on Pokemon Blue in study hall while on acid, and I jumped up, and I was like, Yes! Like, I was really good at controlling myself, but the excitement was very, very heavy. And Eugene looks at me and goes, Ian, you should probably sit down. I was like, right, you got it. Okay, good. I'm going to sit down. And I sat down because he never gave me shit. Everyone else in the class, if they had their book bag on the desk, please remove the book bag from your desk. Me? I keep my fucking book back on the desk. So it was the only time I ever acted out was when I beat the Elite Four in Pokemon Blue. And he was very calm, uh-huh. and he looked at me like he knew there was something wrong. He was like, sit the fuck down. So it was a big deal in high school, and I think that's something that's worth mentioning, is that even when it came out, it was not necessarily perceived as a kitty game. There was a heavy, heavy um, amount of people who played... You know, through yeah. high school. I remember my cousin was into it. My, my cousin and his brother, I don't say infantile, they liked some of the more juvenile stuff, but this was around the time just for like, Tamagotchi, stuff like that, where you had this infusion of these, like, Japanese cultural, like, the, I don't like to say kitty stuff, you know what I mean? Like, I remember South Park did a whole episode on right. uh, the Jim Pokemon. Jim Pokemon. Yeah, so... Time th- to bomb the harbor. <laughs> this was, the mid-90s was the first time you saw this, uh, like, UGO and stuff. Yeah. Before that, you really didn't see the sort of the... Crossbreeding. Well, with Pokemon, yeah. there there was not much of a precedent for this sort of collecting RPG, this monster collecting RPG. It was unique enough that a lot of people could get beyond the the kitty outer exterior of it just to play it because it was so different from most things that people had played. So you have a uh, this year Nintendo Nintendo's going to do their 3DS Red and Blue 3DS bundle. Is that app? app is that coming out this year where you can you know go to go to Egypt and find Pokemons laying around and stuff. Uh, Pokemon Go is coming out what, what they're doing is and um, they're releasing uh, red blue and yellow as basically eShop downloads but with wireless trading oh so which is really cool nice. yeah they should have that originally but so I mean I think a lot of people are looking forward to that um, so here we're getting because the new 3ds just the standard size was never really an um, released here we're getting red and blue versions of that with matching faceplates in Japan they're getting um, I think this is pretty cool because it's kind of a throwback to the game uh, in Japan they're getting clear blue clear red clear yellow and clear green 2ds's uh, with codes for the matching game included oh, people still it. like the 2ds maybe they took off in Japan and not here I, I'm actually not... I don't know if... They the still two, sell them. Yeah, they still sell them. I couldn't remember if the 2DS got released in Japan initially. It might have, but I'm, I'm wondering uh, if this is like a big push for it to just say, hey, they're getting the new 3DS and you're going to get the 2DS. The 2DS, when I look at it, always reminds me of a Tiger handheld that was oversized. <laughs> That's what it reminds me of. All right. Uh, here's a story that 
you know, we've probably heard similar stories like this before, but a, uh, a father, uh, ended up with $8,000 worth of in-game purchases on, uh, his, I believe it was his credit card, um, from his son who was playing FIFA on his Xbox. Now, in FIFA, uh, and in all actual uh, EA sports games right now, uh, there are things that are called Ultimate Teams, Ultimate League, or I think it's Ultimate Team, where you can unlock basically packs of cards, and you can use these cards to uh, create an Ultimate Team for online playing this is a big. It's a thing now, right? You yeah, buy, it's, you it's, buy card it's, packs. It's, it's huge. It's like almost like gambling. Yeah. And you can unlock them, but of course it's very slow to unlock them without without paying money. So you can pay money to unlock them. And uh, Lance Perkins, his 17-year-old son, dropped $7,625.88. Canadian. Canadian. 5300 U.S. Because our dollar's <laughs> stronger now. Yes. Or there's a weaker. On these points that are needed to buy these cards. And basically, he went to his credit card company credit card company said there's nothing you can do about this unless you press charges for credit card fraud against your son and maybe this is why i should i i don't want kids and i should never have kids because i'd be like oh really cool cool just tell me how to do that because i'd fucking press charges against my son um i'd be like you're a fucking dick ass piece of learn the hard way um microsoft was equally uh um what sort of nonplussed? They don't care. They, they they just don't give a shit. They're like, yeah, no, there's nothing you can do about hey, it. Parents put their credit card on the console. Yeah, this is your responsibility. And well, just put this: this is a 17 year old, right? This is not. This is a fucking. Eight, this isn't like an eight year old who accidentally, yeah. you know, bought you Went know two hundred dollars of shit on an iPad game. This is a 17 year old who knew exactly what he was you doing. You got a really stupid son, and he said, "Sorry." He even says something. And his, he's like, his defense was, well, I didn't know I was going to be charged every time I log on to the game. Uh, that doesn't happen. That's that's not a thing that happens. You, you you just pulled that out of your ass and made that up. When you make these transactions, doesn't it say you're about to make a transaction? Yes. Are you sure yes. or whatever? Yes. Just because you made one transaction does not mean you're making infinite transactions many, every time you sign on. So these were do- have, dollar packs or up to, okay. If he bought... Points or twelve thousand, which is a hundred dollars. If he bought, if he did nothing but buy the twelve hundred, the twelve thousand dollar points packs at a hundred dollars, it would have taken him over fifty transactions. And you have, you have to, you have to okay. I, I okay, as a everyone. fact, you have to okay every single one. So he's just an idiot. Yes. Or, or doesn't care. Or hates his father. My guess is he doesn't care. My guess is he doesn't care, and he hates his father, which is why I said I'd fucking press charges against my son. I, now it's funny he uses it as as a point not to have children. You guys can analyze that any way you want to, but oh, I, I think some, I think there should be. Children. Well, I, he should have been checking. The dad should have been checking his credit card statement. This, did this happen over a day? Was it a week? How quickly did this happen? I'm guessing it was within the 30 day period for him to look at his credit card and be like, "Holy shit! What are these charges on here?" Man. This whole family is ridiculous. Oh, they're done after this. Yeah. The family's done? They're done. <laughs> they're done. <laughs> when is kid... Just, just take him out to a rule. Oh, well, when you're 18, 18 yeah. take him out of the house. You yeah. can take him out of the house when oh, you turn yeah. 18. Yeah, that's... Bye. Here's your stuff. $8,000 worth of unreversible or charges. Or you better pay it back. God, that's just really scary. Really scary. All right, no kids for us. Okay. No. <laughs> no children. But if we had kids, they can play together. Uh, no. 
So oh, kids. You're saying your, your kid would want to play with my kid? I can't fucking child. Look at me. What's wrong with my kid? You got a problem with my kid? Not, nothing with your kid. <laughs> From at Niemla. Hi, Karen. Um, ever found stuff in your collection you didn't know you had or don't remember buying? <laughs> of course you do. Anyone's here to witness it during the seven-part ultimate video game collection video shot already almost four years ago. And it will never happen again. It might happen again. Update. Wouldn't be seven parts. It's always the weird shit. It's not the big stuff. One of the more recent ones, whether this is funny or not, but it was more bizarre than anything else. In Portland, I bought a uh, manual map to a Genesis game that I happened just to have the cartridge at and game from. I was like, all right, it was Pirates, Pirates Gold. So I bought it, like in my room to, I, you know, I, when I have my Excel spreadsheet I put down what I have. And then I stumbled across it in another room. And I was like, what the hell is happening? I, it's in my I had bought another Pirate's Gold map and manual at some point. <laughs> specifically. Specifically to complete the game. But I already had it. Right. That's just so weird because it's such a random thing that I, you think I would have remembered buying something that specific. But I had not. So now I have an extra manual and map to Pyrus Gold and the Genesis. And it's just sort of a case in point how just weird stuff like that can be. I'm not even talking about finding like weird handhelds that I forgot I bought. You know, um, that can happen. I mean, you know, looking looking at like the bullseye, uh, you know, all-in-one console that I could forget about a year from now that I have until I see it. You know, it's just, it's more like little stuff like that versus bigger stuff. I find it's more like the mundane stuff than yeah. anything else. And that's exactly what it is with me. Um, I I can think of, I generally these days buy my games for for, I mean the only system I really collect for is the PC Engine. I buy them in small enough quantities, um, so that I can play them and enjoy them. That I don't really end up with things that I forgot I get that I for, that I forgot I got. Um, an example for me though would be when I went from strictly vinyl um, DJing with twelves to doing a mix of uh, 12s and digital. I would use a number of stores for digital. I buy 20 tracks in a go mm -hmm. that I liked, and I might buy them from, you know, Beatport. And then two weeks later, I'd go and buy, you know, tracks again from, say, Juno Download. And uh, because, it you know, I'd hear the track, and because I hadn't used all the tracks or tested all the tracks out, there were times where I would buy the same mp3 a few times or wave file a few times um, that's the only thing that I can think of recently when I when I was collecting NES games and I was buying 10 to 20 at a time from the flea market yes a lot of times I would not play each one that day and I'd go back like a month later and be like oh holy shit, I have that I mean that's the only real examples when I buy in mass quantities the other good example I think a lot of it's, it's stuff I pick up that I'm not looking for I got the swap meet which obviously is slowed down because the flea markets now are not not dead, but are not nearly as lush as they once were. A lot of my Genesis titles, I have a damn good Genesis, but I'd be damned if I knew what games I had because just <laughs> because when I pick them up, uh, you know, it's sort of like oh, I I bought these fifteen twenty Genesis games the past six months at this flea market. I wasn't intending to buy them. I just checked to see if I had them. Oh no, I'll buy them. 
You know, like, like I, I had to remember that I own stuff. Like a lot of times I took the shooters with you. Like, Oh yeah. Do I have Truxton? Oh, I have Truxton. I had, I wouldn't have any clue unless I checked. Right. You know, so that's a game that I don't remember, but if I came across it, it might snap me back into it, but there's no way I remember a lot of those Genesis games in there. Yeah. I'm not going to play them. I don't play them. You're an asshole. <laughs> I don't think that was necessary. This is from Kev Bebock. Uh, cover your thoughts on rental exclusive titles and their prices. Well, you're talking about like less than 10 games. We talk about rental exclusive. You're talking about like Final Fight Guy, talking about Madden Championship on Genesis, you're talking about Hagani and Super Nintendo. Sculptor's Cut. Sculptor's Cut and N64 is usually like one or two per system. Diamonds for Peak doesn't count because there's no direct evidence it was rental exclusive um, on the NES. Especially since there was the vid cards you can find for them, which means they were in stores. Um, what are my thoughts on them? I don't know. Uh, artificially inflated because there's not a lot of them out there. But a lot of times with the Japanese version, there's a lot of it. Like Final Fight Guy, Japanese version is a lot more common because it wasn't an exclusive, a right. rental exclusive. Uh, I think what happens with these titles is that it's all about it's all about the mystique around these games. Dinosaur Peak, Hagani were games that used to be under $100 uh, four or five years ago or under $100. Uh, maybe five years ago, under 100 But all of a sudden, they get this, oh, you know, this was exclusive rental. And right. And people speculate and they go, well, there's games on the Super Nintendo that are just as hard to find as Hagani that cost probably $10, $15, you know. Um, there's games like, uh, I don't know, I don't know, Three Ninjas Kickback that you're telling me that's, that's uh, you know, Hagani's that much harder to find in a game like that? There was that many... Yeah, Three Ninjas Kickback is really hard to come by. Really? I've come by more Hagani's in the store than I have Three Ninjas Kickback. Even a game like Home Improvement? You find a lot of those out there? I just had one recently. <laughs> but how many have you had? You probably yeah, kind of want Three. Thank you. That's my point. These games get this allure about them. That, oh, exclusive. Oh, it's, it's like the Chromium cover on your X-Men comic in 1994 you know it's like oh all of a sudden i think there's a lot of speculation i think uh, with agani direct evidence where people started talking about i remember on nintendo age that were people like oh do you realize Hagani was an exclusive probably done by people that own multiple copies in order to push the price up and um, because they're sleazy asshole you know and so the price gets pushed up because they're speculating on it and they want the price go because they probably own four or five of them so you got to be careful with anything like that. Just because it's exclusive doesn't mean it's any harder to find than the games we pointed out. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when you just think about it, rental exclusive, at, at this point, it's all out in the market somewhere. Um, exclusive means nothing. What you just need to refer to them as is games that are harder to find. They yes. are no different than any other hard-to-find game. The fact that they were rental exclusive does not make them special. Um, as a matter of fact, you can. I mean, we had a Hagane in the box last year. And, I mean, we sold it almost immediately. But, I mean, you can still find these things in box or loose. Well, and, and, and it's going to be harder to find them in the box, but so is any other rare game. Well, you well you sold it almost immediately because of that allure. <laughs> no, because it was, you know, Hagane. And it was going for a lot of money. Sure. If that was a home improvement in the box, I probably would have been interested, but no one else would have been. You know what I mean? Like, that's the difference. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, this is from at Twisted Fuker. I'm not going to curse for your name. What are some of the tribulations you overcame while writing the book? 
Well, I mean, as far as my reviews, it was just finding time. The year that we were supposed to be doing most of the writing was a year. I'm not going to get hugely into it. But two large things happened to me that took a... That were over a long period of time. Uh, Probably the worst thing that's happened in my life so far and the best thing. Um, As far as actually writing them, I had to learn initially to rein myself in because I can be a wordy writer. I want to cover a lot of things. And we had to keep these reviews within a certain... Uh, within a certain word count to to make them reasonable for packing into a book that wasn't going to cost a th- you know a million dollars and wasn't going to be a thousand pages long i i think um it was uh, i think both ian and i can agree that we took for granted how draining it was yes to write hundreds well i ended up writing 450 reviews yeah, i only did 150 um that um takes a lot out of you even if say you don't have to play for me i probably didn't replay 25 percent, 20 percent. like i don't have to replay something like mike tyson's punch i know inside and out yeah there's probably like kung fu yeah some percentage you don't have to so say i didn't have to play 100 i still got to play 350 games i still have to write reviews of them it's draining especially when guys that while i'm doing this everything else is suffering all my YouTube channel, uh, the Pat the Aeneas Punk videos, Let's Sleep Market Madnesses, I have less energy overall. Uh, I did not... When people get on me for saying playing games for fun, well, I can literally say I did not play games for fun by and large the past year and a half or almost two years. There were spurts where, yeah, I got on and played Mario Kart for a few weeks. Uh, but, but other than that, any time dedicated to video games, I had to realize, oh, I got I have a list of 150 more games I got I have to play and write about. And that's just very draining. It's draining when you have a girlfriend that's hanging out with you and you are playing a video game on your couch because you have to get it done. Um, so it, it, obviously it's very rewarding. The book's getting done. But it took a lot out of me. And not that the comments bothered me about people on YouTube. Oh, I used to make more videos, blah, 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 blah. Just the explanation that, hey, I'm working on the side project that you have no idea what's going on in a huge chunk of my time. That Frank's yelling at me because after we eat dinner on Sunday night, I'm either writing on my laptop or I'm playing a game. I can't even relax. You know, I, couldn't even, I can't even relax on my weekend. It's a full grind. That's the way it is as an author, but when you're doing a review book, it's a little bit more because well, you're playing this, I was going to say, this is totally different than an author. I mean, the writing is, is a different type of writing, and it requires two things instead of one, which is the playing and then the reviewing. So, no, I'm happy it's getting finished, and you can pre-order it still. But, um, would I do this again? People are saying Super Nintendo book. I, I can honestly say, unless I hire people to do the bulk of the writing, and I just did like 150 games or 200 games, there's no way I'm... I'm I can write a book with 450 reviews. You don't even give a shit about the Super Nintendo. That too. Turbo, maybe a Turbo Graphics pamphlet. Yeah. You can help me do a Turbo Graphics pamphlet. It's only 130 something games with a CD. It <laughs> means I got to buy the last eight CD games I need, though, which. That's a little dumb. Oh, I bought Buster Brothers recently. I didn't tell you. Not that one. That's the only cheap one I have left, basically, off that list. Nice. For the most part. All right, next question. This is from at King of Retro. Is the 2600 market dead? Why is it so often overlooked? Um, I think I can answer this one pretty well. Uh, okay, is the 2600 market dead? No. Uh, I've definitely seen an uptick in people who are interested in the 2600. 
at the store. I have more people going through the stacks. I'm selling more 2600 games uh, in the past two years probably than I did in my first eight years at Luna. Really? Um, And the very surprising thing about it is the majority of the buyers are about 15 to 16 years old. And the only way that I can really rationalize this, and I think it makes good sense, is that you've got these kids who are getting into video games, and you're going to have, naturally, any subset of them, you're going to have a subset of them that are interested in the history of it. And they're going to go back, and while it's not the first video game system, the Atari 2600 is kind of iconic as the starting point, quote-unquote. And they're going to get interested in it. And it's not just the same kid over and over again. There's plenty of different kids coming in, and they buy 3, 4, 5, 10, 20 Atari games, and they're happy. Um, so, no, it's not dead. I, I don't think it's ever going to be as popular as it was in the late 90s, which leads to the next part. Why is it so often overlooked? I think it's largely overlooked these days um, because, like any system that has its time in the sun, the people who grew up with it are kind of probably over their nostalgia with it. Um, And then there are people who aren't over their nostalgia with it and they're enjoying themselves, but they have most of what they need. So we're, you know, we're not selling to them. The other thing is, and I might get a little bit of flack for this, there are a lot of good Atari 2600 games that I enjoy playing, but a lot of them don't hold up. I think the reason why something like the NES is such a popular system to collect for is it's the first time where you've got controller a controller that can do multiple things easily. You've got graphics that are easily identifiable, even though they might not be the cleanest. So Atari is very abstract looking to a lot of people. There's Atari games that always require two players. There's Atari games that require different controllers. It's not... For a system that is always represented by a joystick with one button, it's as simple as that. Um, you, you, you stole most of my thunder, but we've, we've, we've talked about this before in my very limited media, I guess, interviews I've done or, or for radio or for, uh, even email interviews. They always ask that question. Why the NES? Why the NES? It was the first time you had really decipherable console, decipherable graphics to tell a story mm-hmm. and have decipherable characters. The Atari just didn't, just didn't get it done. There's such a huge gap between a game like Pitfall telling a story and Super Mario Brothers that it's, it you can't even explain that that gap is huge. Sure. So why is it overlooked? Because well, Atari's dead as a company basically, and they don't have any franchises to to exist anymore. They haven't had a successful console in 35 years. That's why it's overlooked. Sorry, all the people like Ian said. I'm going to go further. All the people that love the Atari 2600 originally in their 40s or 50s or older by now. You know that's that's just the, the way it was. It came out. It almost came out forty years ago. The console, right. almost forty years. Next year will be forty years. That's insane to think about. When I found out Star Wars was like forty years old, it blew my fucking yeah. mind. So that's why it's overlooked. Is is, be, is because the main people collecting video games are younger, uh, slightly younger demographic. And like we said, it's like there's only so much you can get out of playing Asteroids in the twenty six hundred versus any game in the NES library. And it's just that's just the reality of it. Is the market dead? Well, Ian surprisingly said that people or kids are interested. I guess I would say because the entry level in the 2600 is so cheap. Sure. You can go on go on eBay, get a system in 50 games for probably 60 bucks or 70 bucks, and you are set. And you know what? <laughs> it's not like there were a bunch of different games that were obscure and good. I'm sure 
people will say, oh, there was this one obscure game was good. Most of the obscure games were shit. Most of the popular Atari 620 games were the good ones. It's not like you had a lot of Metal Storm titles in the 2600. Because you had to weed out those awful ones, and so I guess word tra- hey, River Raids is an awesome game, let's all buy it. So when you find yeah, it's so good. So when you when you find these twenty six hundred bundles, ninety percent of the games are the same games. You know, you'll have those other early ones like tic tac toe and things like that. But you're going to have people with asteroids and, and and pitfall and adventure and regular adventure and star raiders. You're going to have the the main chunk. revenge. Yeah, exactly. You're going to have these like let's, let's just say the tw- fifteen to twenty titles that every kid that had a twenty six hundred had to have those because those were the most fun ones. You know, they're not all going to have tax avoiders. You know. I love it when that comes in randomly. I just uh, was looking at the, the crash segment of Video Game Years. It was one of the best segments of it, and I brought up Tax Avoiders, one of the games that no one asked for. So no one asked for Kool-Aid Man, and no one asked for Tax Avoiders and Tooth Protectors. You know what's really good? And it's hard to, it's it's hard it's kind of hard to find on the system, and I wasn't expecting it to be good. Taz. There's a Tasmanian Devil game on the Atari 2600, oh. and it's goddamn well, fun. I will buy it before the price goes up and everyone hears it and goes on eBay to get it. I'm ruining things for everyone. This comes from at Legit Jordan. It's not a fake one. Uh, after Cena's injury and a bunch of NG New Japan, I'm just gonna, New Japan Pro Wrestling related rumors. What are the chances WWE can deliver a good Rumble? Well, it's not just a rumor. Uh, this will be our. I'm, I'm excited for the Rumble. I might have to steal Ian's login for the first time like a year and watch the Rumble. I don't think uh, I changed anything. So I'm going to steal it because I, I have to watch. Even though I, I'm out of wrestling, I love the Rumble. You got to watch the Rumble. You got to watch too. the Rumble, the actual event. Um, John Cena's out for six months. Uh, Cesaro's out. They they signed uh, four guys from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Nakamura, who's the biggest star of New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's not like New Japan Pro Wrestling is a small promotion. No. It, it, Number it's, one Japanese promotion. Yes. And a Miles, probably the best wrestler, uh, current wrestler that never wrestled in WWE. Yeah, he appeared on like one, like WWE jacked 14 years ago. It doesn't count. He never had a real run. He did a tryout dark match or whatever shitty match fighting the, the freaking hurricane. That's how long ago it was. So they're coming. I think it's. I think it can be a good rumble because Brock Lesnar's back. Uh, the product is suffering in recent months. They had low ratings a couple months ago. We talked about um, lots of injuries. Cena out. Um, yeah, if they throw a couple of these surprises in, if they push AJ Styles and have him enter, and people are going for him, and he's one of the last four guys in there. Like Lesnar, legitimizes him as automatic main eventer. It could be exciting. It could be fun. I. I Let's, I don't think they'll make the same mistake three years in a row and not have someone that the fans want to win lose and get tossed out unceremoniously like, like uh, you know, like Daniel Bryan. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that'll happen again, but you never know. And Daniel Bryan probably Should will be come back. back. Yeah. Should be. Bryan said for the last, like, five months, I'm healthy. I'm ready to go. My doctors cleared me. There's a waiting. So I think they're holding him back. I think – but I think if they need a shot in the arm – Daniel Bryan's what they need, right? Because Daniel Bryan will come back and instantly be the the, the favorite wrestler again in the, in the federation, especially, especially with Cena out. Yes, they need. It used to be that there was no heels. There's no faces now yeah. that, that are healthy. It's really weird how it's changed. You know, how, like Lesnar's now has to be a face, but he he attacked Reigns on on Raw, um, because he that's his character. He's going to attack anyone, but you have to do that. No one else, and plus Seth Rollins is out. 
I don't really have a whole lot more to add. You 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 pretty much covered all the points that I would have covered. Um, I'm, all I will say is the past two rumbles have been shit and they've been disappointing. Okay. I I've I've got to hope that the 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 old saying third time's a charm um, means something because they really need if they're going look. Rumble is always considered one of the big ones because it starts the road to WrestleMania, yes. as they call it. And if they're going to hope to keep anyone subscribed to the network and anyone interested for the next, what, three months as we lead to, to Mania, um, this has got to be something that excites people. Especially with all the injuries. and Let's put it this way. they should. Ha- this is where they have to cut the cord. Yeah. With- Cena can still put on good matches, but... This is his second injury. He barely came back from his left injury. Now he's injured again. This really needs to be the defining line where the younger generation starts to overshadow the older generation. Yeah. No rock main eventing at WrestleMania. <laughs> Lesnar, you got him under contract for what, a couple years, so you can do something with him, obviously. But hell, if you get AJ Styles, throw him in a match against uh, Daniel Bryan, and the crowd will go nuts. I'm not saying Daniel Bryan has to main event and win the title. He should still. But. You have to have the wrestlers come in. You have to have the whole change of wrestling matters come back in. People don't give a shit about the big muscle-bound guys anymore. That's in the past. The past past. Like, really in the really in the past. Yeah, Vince 20. has been holding on to that for, like, 15, 20, 25 yeah. years. Cena's the last remnant of that. Yep. That's gone. I mean, Lesnar's big. Not a big steroid freak, though. Lesnar's just huge because he's a monster. But, like, you know, like, let's leave that in the past. I mean, I've always been known as a person who doesn't necessarily care for Lesnar, but he also puts on a better match psychologically than Cena does, too, and that's where I'll give Lesnar some right. credit. This is from at I, I Hate New York Land Boss, okay? Is it okay to, to destroy re- retro carts or art projects? <sighs> He's torn. I'm I'm not really torn. I No, I don't like it. Um, am I going to come after anyone and say a whole lot of mean shit about people who do it? No, but you got to understand that as time goes on, without you destroying these cartridges for projects, time will destroy the supply that we have. Um, more and more things will end up in the landfill, they'll be forgotten by the wayside, even with collecting being big, and... All you're doing by making a coffee table out of Super Mario Brothers Duck Hunt cartridges is accelerating the process. And I use Super Mario Brothers Duck Hunt as an example simply because two years ago, I would have 50 of those cartridges at each store. When I was doing some inventory the other day, I was surprised to find out that I was inputting one that put me over 10. I have 11 cartridges of Super Mario Brothers Duck Hunt at the Ocean Beach store. That's not because of our problem. No, not necessarily, but over time, what I'm saying is, is these things are going to get scarcer, and as you do art projects, and I'm just, like I said, I'm just using Super Mario Brothers Duck Hunt as, a, as, a, as an example, you are eliminating the, the supply. And like I said, I, some of these things are cool. I'm not trying to sound like a dick to these people. I'm not actively going... You're a dick. Yeah, I know. I'm not actively going after them, do what you will, but my personal opinion on it is I I don't really particularly care for that. The example I saw was someone was making coasters out of E.T. Atari 2600 cards. Now, in the survey, say E.T., there's a ton of them. But it's a game that's, uh, you know, 35 years old almost. How many E.T. cards do you really, really see out there? Nowadays, I don't. And that's what I'm trying to say, is time is going to do this without you doing it. People throw them out. Yep. 
probably within the first five years, we'll just say the majority of ET carts were thrown out in the first five to eight years after, you know, by, by 1990, let's just say. And then how many more get lost? People die. They're given away to someone else and they throw it out. It's worthless. Atari games. They're not all, pres- not all video games get preserved from, right. from when they were sold. You know, a lot of them get junked. You go to the swap meet now and you see people have tons of, you know, dollar Xbox games that they can't sell. What do you think is going to happen to those games? They don't sell them in six months. Those DVD dealers, they're going to toss them. I saw a guy, now he was looking at, just looking at discs, but PlayStation 1 games, even look at the disc, if they're even a little bit off, tossing them, tossing the cases in. Couldn't stop him. He was doing it. I, was gonna, I mean, they weren't games that are worth anything. No, but, sure. But the whole point is that they get destroyed. Right. There's, there's not an infinite supply. Even Super Mario Duck Hunt, which could be the most, not counting Wii Sports, the most most of any game out there, you know, or one of the Super Mario Brothers of Duck Hunt. Eventually, like you said, they're going to be less and less out there. Yeah, I'm not saying it's happening now, and like I said, I'm not, I'm not trying to criminalize them, but it, it will happen over time. Yeah. Hoard those those <laughs> Super Mario Duck Hunt yeah. cards. Yeah, because they're going to be worth millions. It's just an example that comes to me, because that's, that's the cartridge everyone seems to pick to do an art project. Sure. Alright. Um... That was a pretty long one. Uh, it's a long podcast, but we had, we had a lot of topics. It was a very healthy podcast. Sometimes they are healthy. Uh, we have a, uh, we were vibrant too during our discussion. Very I feel. vibrant. I'm very hungry too. Last time I missed Wendy's closing at midnight. Um, so no, they 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 they, they drive throughs to like two. Not no no they they were closed the last time I went. Well then that's those are bad they, employees because we haven't closed before eleven in a while for a, a close. We haven't finished before eleven in a while on a podcast hmm. for me to get a get a burrito. Butters is going. Butters, no, now. butters, no. But, butters, um, he's sleeping. Tired. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have a podcast Patreon where you can view us watching eyeballs. You can watch us do the podcast. Usually, uh, day and a, about a day, day and a half after we record it, instead of waiting for those pesky YouTube clips over two weeks, you can just watch us. They're so the pesky. Thing. They're so pesky. It's patreon.com slash pixel sickle. I have an anemic Patreon myself. Patreon.com slash Pat Contry, which is on its last legs, it seems like at times. Um, and yeah, we have a book. Ultimate Nintendo Guide to the NES Library. Pre-order it. If you can, you can still do it. Send me an email. i to do that. And then I'm going to be at a convention at the end of the month at City of Industry, the SoCal Retro Gaming Expo. Not the SoFlo Antonio Expo. We don't want that expo. No, we don't. <laughs> that one. So for Ian Ferguson... I'm Pat Contry. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, thepunkfed.com. Maybe Google soon. See you in a couple weeks. Bye.